The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 200. Thursday, August 9th, 2012. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 200. 200. 200. Congratulations. Thank you. Bicentennial. I guess so. I am Rob, you are Greg. Howdy. And you are Esteban. The evil King Macrocranios. Yes, my fellow Punch Stevensonians. Yes. <laughs> it is I. <laughs> the evil king in Florida. Welcome to the Punch Stevenson Show. Yes, yes, the evil king of Florida. And uh, a somewhat more or less long-time listener, I guess. It feels like just yesterday that I started listening to you guys, but it must have been around uh, maybe 2006 or so. Wow. So this is a huge honor. I can't believe it. I can't believe 200 episodes, and then uh, and then I get to be here for a little a, a part of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you. I, there's no question you are the longest continuing listener that we have, <laughs> without it's- question. It's crazy. It's crazy. The The thing about this show is that um, when I think about your earlier episodes and I, I read the old uh, show notes on them and everything, I can remember almost to the to the hour, to the minute what I was doing when I first, first was listening to you. So I have memories of listening to the Ponch Stevenson show in all the different places I've lived, uh, listening to you guys uh, while I'm walking my dogs in the plains of uh, South Dakota. Wow. And in Antarctica and in Florida. Antarctica. And- and just all these, it's just so weird to think you guys have been such a big part of my life. And even here in, in Florida, in uh, in Lauderdale and stuff, it's it's crazy. You guys have really been around a long time. <laughs> well, I, I have a few things to say. Number one, thank you for listening. Number two, thank you for being a guest on the Paunch Stevenson Show for the second time. Because the first time you were a guest on episode 108... <laughs> Back in no. August 2008, and that was wow. an awesome episode. You're an awesome guest. Oh my god, 2008! <laughs> Four years. I've had people Four. listen to that episode. Again, if if you go to paunchstevenson.com, every episode we've ever done is online for free. Listen to them all you want. So, if you, I've had people listen to your episode 108. You were the guest, and they're like, oh my god, that was such an interesting, incredible episode. Esteban is such an such a, a interesting uh, guy, and, and he, he lived in Antarctica, and he's, he, he's so knowledgeable about things and the military. <laughs> so it is our honor to have you on episode 200. And I have to say, you, I think... I think you are our most traveled listener. Of course. Well, and you never our know. only listener to set foot and listen to the Paunch Stevenson show on the continent of Antarctica. You never know, though. I don't know if you keep track of your site statistics or even look at those things. No. But you, <laughs> you, you could possibly have interviews in, I mean, interviews. You could possibly have listeners in uh, lots of different crazy places around the world, but you would never know because their IPs might uh, channel through somewhere else. Like, I know Antarctica, at least when I was there, would um, run through Denver, Colorado. 
Huh. That's where the internet was. Uh, somehow their their little hub or their connection is. So you you might not know. It's just the problem with listeners and and podcasting is if they're not vocal, you never know that they're out yeah. there. Right. I mean, we get people who pop up and they'll write a comment on Facebook or or the website, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I've been listening to you for like two three years," and we're like, "Where have you been?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I think about that a lot, and it, you know, there probably is. It's theoretically possible that there's some guy out there that just loves the show so much that they're like yeah. doing transcripts of it and stuff, and have <laughs> pictures of you guys on their wall and all. But because they're not vocal, yeah. you, you never know. And I just, I, I sometimes feel like, you know, I would, I would trade were were I like a serious podcaster, I would trade like a thousand listeners that don't do anything for one that interacts. You know, exactly. Well, that's why for us now, like like Greg said, we go through waves. But recently, we've had a good wave, of, like you leaving comments, and and David in England, and Steve, and and a few other people. And even though it's it's a, a relatively small handful of people commenting, it's awesome. I love it. I love Isn't getting those, those three or four or five feedbacks every episode. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Tell me about it. It is really something to see, like, a, like you'll post an episode, and then within three or four days, there's like eight comments. Oh, that's the best. Oh, that that is incredible. <laughs> no, and and they're anymore. so good, too. I feel really bad, because, like, usually I'll, I'll sit down, and I'll intend to be, like, typing all these things for all the different things you discussed, and then only one thing will come <laughs> to mind, and I'll get through with that, and I'm already at, like, three paragraphs. And I'm like, oh, gosh, nobody's going nobody's gonna to read 20 paragraphs on, like, a blow-by-blow blow of the show. <laughs> So I usually kind of just cut it right there where I think I made a good point, and then and then we're there. But then lately you've had some guys that within a few sentences encapsulate multiple topics on the show, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, that that's a great uh, listener. That's a great person. That's a great member of the audience. That's a great – what do you want to call them? Punching bags? That's a great punching <laughs> that's bag right that's there. That's what I was looking for. We were talking about, about nicknames for our listeners. I don't know. It was where, What thing was it in? It was in 190 – now was it one ninety six? It was yeah, I think it was one ninety five. Yeah, something like that. And I said, I came up with something dorky because somebody had uh, written something like uh, like punch yourself or something like that. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I like I, I like that. That's great. We should we should get ourselves a listener name for this show. We should band. We should unite. Uh, yeah. Make a fan club or something. <laughs> well, oh yeah, here it is. At one ninety three. Yeah, um, you. Somebody said uh, Rob was saying, you know, what they were, and uh, keep on punching. Uh, well, that's what Esteban yeah, something said. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Ponchos. No, he said ponchos, <laughs> and I said ponching bags. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? I'm like, there, there have been times. I remember um, maybe a couple of years ago where you'd go maybe a month or even two between episodes, and then lately it's it's almost one every other week or one every week. But we're trying to keep it to at least one every two weeks. Because I know, like, we've talked about several times on the podcast, on the Paunch Stevenson show. I know for me, um, I don't like it when I'm into a podcast and then all of a sudden it, it just, like, fades away. And it's like, hey, what happened? It just fizzled out. So I don't want us to fizzle out, at least not yet. <laughs> Well, it's not just that, but um, we just, 
We I mean, it seems like we go through a lot of material on each episode, but the reality is, I mean, that literally, that's about like to the to when I get to the end of my notes and Rob's the end of his notes. I mean, well, what'll usually happen is we'll usually record like two at once because we'll have that much to talk about. But it takes it. I don't. It takes me like three or four weeks to like recharge my notes. Really? Wow. For me, because I don't care about like. Like, there's, like, you know, daily radio shows or something. You know, they, they go over every stupid thing, and I just don't care about 90% of the stuff that happens. But it seems like people are dying every day. Exactly. There's, always, <laughs> there's always celebrity deaths. That's true. But the problem is that a lot of these celebrities we don't care about. So it's like, <laughs> Rob mentions them, and I'm like, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, like, who cares? I remember uh, once I had, uh... I had got gotten to uh, paunch one hundred early one hundreds. Okay, I, from whenever I had started listening, I don't know what the exact episode was, and that's when I decided to go back and listen <laughs> to them from the very first. Okay, and I'm already like a hundred something episodes in, and the topics around episode one hundred are um, like Michael Jackson. It's like yeah. Michael Jackson. <laughs> well, that was every episode. <laughs> it was like every episode. Then I go back to episode number one, and it starts off with like Michael Jackson. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, what are they gonna do if Michael Jackson ever dies? I mean, that's when I thought the Paunch Stevenson episode would, the show would go away. But no, somehow you made it. You survived Michael Jackson dying, and you're still. Well, you know what that is. <laughs> that's ignorant. No, I've only had two nose jobs. Children are beautiful. I think the new Michael Jackson is Stan Lee. Stan Lee's <laughs> the new Michael Jackson on the on the Paunch Stevenson show. Here's the thing. Um. I uh, there have been many times I've wondered to myself over the course of the past six and a half years, <laughs> almost seven years that we've been doing the Paul Stevenson show. I've, I, I'm serious. I've often wondered to myself, like, oh my god, how am I going to come up with topics for the next episode? I'm 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 totally I'm bone dry. I have I got nothing, and th- and then there's always something. It, it it it's never dry for like more than a day. What does that have to do with Stan Lee? No no no. I, because we were talking about uh, how we come up with topics and stuff. So I'm constantly, co- even almost, like I said, almost seven years later, I'm still constantly coming up with thoughts and, and philosophies. And it, it and- is amazing because you never go to the movies. It's, no, it's, he never, it's a pop culture podcast. Well, actually, no. <laughs> this, this is my point, this is my point ultimate, for six years. The ultimate <laughs> pop culture He has podcast. no clue what is going on in the world. Nothing. That's not fair. No wonder it's hard for you. No wonder you think it's gonna it's gonna no, dry but, up tomorrow. But, no, but, but no, wait, wait, hold on, hold he on. He has on. seen. Here's the thing. Rob does go and see movies, but they're movies that I have so little interest in. I can It's like Rob will mention them. He'll mention like some stupid. Um, uh, what's the guy? Paul Rudd. Like he'll mention a Paul Rudd movie, um, which I haven't seen yet, and I'm like, okay. I don't. I don't know what to say about this. There's, <laughs> or, or, I haven't or seen the movie. some like uh, indie movie, some really like a <laughs> or or second or third run of some well, underground his, movie. No, 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 no. His his a lifetime, for t- yeah, yes. the lifetime <laughs> made for TV movies. Well, the thing is, these movies are so bad and so over the top and and low budget and all that. But when literally when like I'll give you an example. This this was this actually was an indie movie. Nobel son. Yes. When, when Rob, because, you know, me with Eliza Dushko, 
and I had never seen this movie yet. And he and he reviewed Nobel Son, starring Eliza Dushku and and <laughs> it's the Dush. Forget who else was there. Oh, Alan Rickman was in it. And um, he he uh, he. So he gets done reviewing it, and the review took like an hour. <laughs> so, it was hilarious. It was that crazy. So at the end of it, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, this is the this is like insane. When, this movie sounds like Clockwork or Clockwork Orange or something. It's insane." So then I finally get to see the movie, and it's just a quirky comedy. <laughs> it wasn't a comedy. Yes, it was. It was like a dark comedy. <laughs> what? Yes. It was not a comedy. Okay. It was It was trying to be a movie like... It was like a Jason Statham kind of movie. Yes, it was trying to be like a heist, like Snatch movie or, or uh, The Italian Job. <clears throat> Whatever. Anyway, I, I I thought it was a dark comedy myself. <laughs> anyway, the other point that I was going to make is yeah. is um, Esteban, like you said, <clears throat> you know, for for the first however many episodes, like we go through phases where we'll latch on to Michael Jackson, then we'll latch on to Doctor Phil, Christian Slater, Christian Slater, Louis Anderson, Steven Seagal, Steven oh, wow. Seagal. Now it's Stan Lee, so it's I'm, I'm in a Stan Lee phase. What can well, I say? The difference is like some of these other people, like Seagal. He's he's frequently doing something retarded. So is Stan Lee. But Stan, well, Stan Lee never does anything. He just like does his appearances, his movie cameos. That's it. He hasn't done like he did. Who wants to be a superhero? But that was years ago. No, but he's always he's always bragging now, about how he invents. Right. So like it, it, Rob, he does the imitation of Stan Lee all the time. That's more of what it is. It's not just not just. It's like me with Sean Connery. Like and <laughs> Sean Connery's you never hear from him anymore. Who knows if he's even alive? But. You know that that's what I'm what I'm able to do now. It's interesting when you when you said Stan Lee though. One of my favorite, um, uh, you know, what the, what would you call it? Instances on the show or moments was when we first the first time we ever talked about Stan Lee. When I had I had I was watching this Who Wants to Be a Superhero, and Rob had not seen it, had no idea what it was, and so I go, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, there's this sci-fi channel show Who Wants to Be a Superhero, this and that. I'm like, you'll never guess who it stars. And he's like, who? And I'm like, it's me, Stanley. <laughs> and he was literally, I, I don't know if we did that in person or not. He was literally crying. It took him like 15 minutes to stop crying. He was laughing so hard. Because I, I guess it was, he he had that insane Stanley like impersonation that he must have been like, must have just was just gonna come to him, but I did it first. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to uh, to go to a convention where Stan Lee is, at least for me personally, because I'll be in in the auditorium yeah. and he'll be speaking, and all this massive crowd will be listening. Yeah. You can hear like a pin drop. Everybody so fixated on Stan Lee, and he'll be telling just the most heartbreakingly, like, heartwarming story about the Silver Surfer or whatever, and just in my mind is you guys and and that ridiculous <laughs> impersonation. And so I just feel like I can't go to Stan Lee appearances anymore. I just can't do it. Yo, you gotta go up to him and be like, hey, it's me, Stan Lee! I got a new superhero for you. Cracker Jack man! <laughs> he hides in a box of Cracker Jack! 
Oh, you'd be the first person Stan Lee ever punched in the face. <laughs> well, there was that, that Stan Lee impersonator Stan Lee. at one of the comic cons or something who kept, like, pestering him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I followed that guy on Facebook. God. <laughs> The fake the, Stanley. The fake Stanley. Yeah, he occasionally he'll he'll have some sort of funny witty thing. He was not funny at all. Hey, oh, Brigadiers, really? it's oh. me, the General. His Lee Twitter. Sword. Oh god, his Twitter is in. It's incomprehensible. <laughs> Stanley's Twitter. I mean, there's there's some people that kind of criticize and say that Stanley is really not the creative genius that he's given credit for and all yeah. this. But no, no, that personality. If if that is indeed his Twitter. Seems to me to go with someone who is extremely creative and has a lot of uh, interesting and strange kind of out-of-left-field ideas. And well, well, maybe he could be going senile, too. I don't know. But <laughs> well, actually, I, no, because the other day, me and Rob were watching on YouTube this Virginia Tech, like in the late 70s, in some, you know, like, uh, community television class they must have had there. They actually did this interview... This girl did this interview with Stan Lee in like 1977. Oh my! And he like he would say the same things though that he says <laughs> now, except he didn't sound as ridiculous. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." Yeah. When well, I when it was like when I invented Spider Man, you know, I wanted somebody, and it wasn't like when I invented Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> like normally, it's the opposite. When you get older, you get like more quiet and reserved. No, he's opposite. He's like a crackpot. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. He really is. I mean, I know he, he he's a uh, highly criticized, and I know people are, or maybe I'm just in the wrong circles. But for somebody to appreciate and enjoy Stanley as you do really makes me feel good about my own liking of him. Because for a long time, I've kind of felt like uh, like he's supposed to be the devil or Satan or something <laughs> from from all the comic book uh, critiquing and comic book fan nerd rage you get on the internet. Yeah. He's just not really appreciated, or I mean, it's going to be sad when he dies because then course. we're going to realize. Well, you know, but I, but he's a vampire now. <laughs> sure, he's a vampire. <laughs> no, I, it, but no, but the thing is, like when you go to one of these conventions, I mean, there is uh, there's a massive amount of people who are there to meet Stan Lee and get the picture with him. Like, well, I wanted, we wanted to do it uh, last fall with the New York Comic Con. Hopefully, he's there again this year and. <laughs> Somebody may actually be able to go this time, but wow! Yeah, it's like a hundred dollars. It's no, like a hundred dollars to get in, a hundred dollars to get in line, a hundred dollars for a picture. Actually, I think we could have snuck into that side. Oh, you know what's funny is like you'd have like all the purpose and all the meaning for wanting to do something like that or undertake that journey. And I think what was it last year? Frank Nora just walked in. Yeah. I think with his recorder, and he really has like no interest in anything that's going on. Yeah, but yeah, I'm thinking, boy, Frank just gets to kind of just mosey on in. Well, I had no interest in it either. I don't oh, really in comic on. books. There's got to be a lot of people that you could you could talk to. Why well, I talked to Eliza Dushku. <laughs> I don't know. I well, Mark Hamill was there, but I was you weren't getting near him. Yeah, that's the problem when the celebrities are of that caliber. Actually, actually, the only person. Well, actually, I talked. I did talk to Kevin Sorbo briefly. I should have recorded it, but I didn't have the recorder ready. It was a long story, but like he probably actually he probably like if the line thinned out, he probably would have talked to me. Um, yeah. But the other guy was this some some one of the guys from Clerks, Dante. 
Yeah, like Brian O'Hallan. You know the the um, Kevin Smith movie, Clarks. Yes. Yeah, the I'm the guy you know the guy with the the, the Dante. Yeah, I don't know. That was his yeah, name. but do, doesn't the whole Kevin Smith entourage have their own podcast network? Uh, it's funny you say that. Actually, they we did talk to them in episode one ninety seven. So one of them okay. at least. No, yeah, one ninety seven. That's not out yet. Trust me. (laughs) We're see stricken from the record. This whole episode, we're we're playing with time in this episode. (laughs) Man, it would really suck if we died before episode two (laughs) hundred came out. Anyway, do you ever do that? Do you ever have parts of an episode recorded or like on the hard drive or somewhere on you, and you think, man, if I died right now. Nobody would ever. This would be an unheard recording unless uh, somehow I become famous after yeah. in like post post well, life. Well, well no, well, because if I died and I actually had trained an intern or a Paul Stevenson show apprentice <laughs> to take over and edit the the unfinished <laughs> recordings, they wouldn't know the password to my computer anyway. Uh, so uh. it would be destroyed forever. So then what you have to do now as your initiation into Facebook there, you, you should uh, post updates to the Facebook of like how far you are along in each show just in case you do die. So that we as, as punch, what do you call them, punching bags, yeah. will know to go through your stuff at the eventual estate sale or whatever and try and recover that hard drive and release those episodes. Well, what we... Well, that, we get them out pretty quick now. Actually, way back when, you, you probably didn't... Again, you wouldn't have noticed this, but many years ago, it was literally like a jigsaw puzzle sometimes. Like, there were there were times... Like no, when we were doing it, like, every week, there, yeah, there but- were times when Rob would, like, we'd record it, and, you know, we'd get to a certain point and just, like, run out of things to talk about, and we, Rob would... He would literally have, like, Bits and pieces of recordings from like over like the past like three months or something, and he would have to pull out bits and pieces and just stick them in there. And I'd be listening to him like, Rob, I don't, I don't remember talking about uh, you know picture frames or something. He's like, oh yeah, that was from like three months ago. I never used it. Oh, my favorite, my absolute favorite moments of of some of like all time are when the opposite occurs. And then a conversation you know you guys had. Yes, was and he never, never used, used it. <laughs> and then you reference it later on. <laughs> well, and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? For a long time. For a long time, I had this thing about making the episodes exactly 24 oh, minutes. Yes. So I would have to I would have to go through the, the through the whole recording yeah. like like 20 or 30 times and figure out which Every conversations I, I I need to take out? Yeah, see that's I what I was talking. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. It would be it would be like bits and pieces from you wouldn't know where this thing came from, and then the audio would sound differently because maybe one week we recorded recorded a little bit better, a little bit better than the other week. It, it would be a mess, and I'm telling you. And then I would get to the point where I would start talking about something. And I'm like, hey, you know, remember when we talked about this or that? And Rob would be like, no, we didn't. Because in the background, he's searching. He's always searching 
the website. So yeah. you'd be like, no, no, we didn't. And I'm like, yes, we did. No, we didn't. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I remember explicitly talking about it. There would be times where I would go through the recordings. Again, this was Kill a long, this was years ago, but I would go through the recordings and I would figure out which conversations or, or, or which topics to take out to get it to be 24 minutes on the dot. <laughs> And then it would be like maybe seven seconds over, and I would have to re-go back through the whole episode uh, and figure out <laughs> and figure psycho. out which words to take out from which sentences. And you know, there's probably somebody else who who wanted to be a podcaster and ran into the same sort of situations, had the same mindset, and the same whole you know, who, who was you essentially, but in a in a different place with a different show, and they probably gave up. Oh. They said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, the other thing was, and look, we will admit that we don't do this as much anymore, but for several years, for several years, two or three years, like a third of the episode was skits. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. With like all kinds of like production with like background music and, and sound effects and everything. Like literally like every every single episode had at least one skit. That we used to do, and it was just insane. Yeah, I don't know how I we did. You <laughs> just never knew what was coming next. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of skits, we want to do one today with you. Oh no! It's our first comedy bit with a guest. This will be very short. <clears throat> and here's the setup. Unlike Rob, I'm sure you've heard of since you had. Something to do with the military. I'm sure you've heard of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. <laughs> Good. Because he doesn't know what it is. So. I've heard of it. I just didn't know the specifics. All right. So it's going to be very simple. The This is going to be a phone call between John F. Kennedy, the president, which is we Rob, and I guess Khrushchev, or just a Russian guy, which would be me. <laughs> Unless you can do a Russian accent. Wait, and then who's Esteban? Uh, shh, no. Esteban will be Paunch. Okay. Punch in time! Now we'll go live to the uh, meeting at the United Nations between President John F. Kennedy and Russian Premier Nikita Khrushchev discussing nuclear weapons... Uh, on their way to Cuba. Era, you better not launch those nuclear missiles, you hear me? What? You do not know, tell me what to do, I'm Russian! I smack foot on table! Foot on table! Era, you better not blow up this whole world or else I'm gonna be very angry, Era. What I kill you! You 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 destroy you. you think you bully me, I bully you, I smack you in the face with shoe! No one bullies. Ask not if you could fear yourself, but if I fear uh, the Russians. That makes no sense and I don't even speak English! Um, ex excuse me, guys, is this the... Re oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. Are, are you, uh, President Kennedy? Era, that's right. Uh, are, and are you, uh, Nikolai Khrushchev? 
Nikita Khrushchev, how dare you say my name wrong and kill you for oh, this is fantastic. Oh my god, I just oh, thought this was the restroom. What are, you, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Who are you supposed to be? Oh, well, you know, <clears throat> I'm on my break right now, but I'm actually uh, with the catering people uh, down the hall. Era, get me a drink of a vodka martini. Oh, anything, anything, anything for you, Mr. Kennedy. I want vodka! Vodka. Simply vodka! Straight, straight vodka for you, Mr. Khrushchev. Yes. You guys having a good time? You getting along? Era, if this commie would calm down, Era, we could uh, solve all our problems. This guy, all he got about is, is booty. He got about the booty, nothing else. Oh, it sounds sounds like it's going great. All right, I'll be right back with your uh, banana daiquiri and your uh, margaritas. Okay, all right, I'm back. Uh, Give me hope my I'm drink. Not, hope I'm not interrupting you, uh, Mr. Kennedy. And, uh, Mr. Khrushchev, here he, is your... This guy here, he make me so mad, I will push button! There, uh, you better not lay your finger on that button, or I'm gonna come over there and kill you! I'm just gonna go ahead and, uh, lay the drinks down here on these little, uh, little red tables. But no! No, you idiot! You stupid fool! You, you launch your Soviet missiles! Oh, now the United States dead! That's my cue! Back to 2012! <laughs> After the explosion. There wouldn't be a 2012, but that's oh, the no, joke. No. He'd be in the road. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's move on. That was very good. Uh, enough reminiscing here. Um. All right. So once again, Esteban, of course, he has his own website, his own podcast, which Thanks is. Thanks to you guys too. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, my decision to do anything or be inspired to do anything uh, with. With my interests on the internet, or express them in, in like a podcastular form, <laughs> is due to uh, listening to you and like the handful of other people I used to listen to all those years ago, and it just it made me feel like you know, it's not one of those oh well if those morons can do it I can't, but it was uh, if if these people who are not uh, like broadcast professionals just have the enthusiasm and you know the the willingness and the dedication to do something like this. Then it, it, enthusiasm's contagious, and and it got me on the ball to my uh, to the three listeners I have today. So thanks a lot. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and and we appreciate it. So what, tell our listeners what is your website and what is your podcast? Oh, jeez, wow. Well, that's an honor here on the two hundredth show to be uh, <laughs> plugging my obscure show. That that's fantastic. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Hey, we plug it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear it, and it's, it's just it's the weirdest quality. thing. You, 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 it's, no, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm serious. I know I'm behind on episodes of your podcast, and I apologize. I and I'm going to catch up. I would not up. worry about that in the least. But if I was you. you produce quality content. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry.
No, I'm serious. To somebody. Actually, the, the aim is to be, like, you know, really uh, out there in, in the left field, outside of the mainstream, where you guys are, are very um, mainstream pop culture. Yeah. My intention is to kind of like skew skew outside of that and and don't really speak of uh, like really popular uh, robot shows or robot things that are of a of a well known nature like nowadays. That well, you know, just in a nutshell, I'm just trying to not talk about Transformers, but still make it a robot show. Well, here's the thing. Why wouldn't you talk about Transformers? <laughs> I talk about Transformers all the time. Here's well, the yeah. thing. <laughs> You guys uh, cover Transformers so well, there's really no need for me to do it. But we never talk about the old show. We just talk about how much we hate Michael Bay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Growing up in the 1980s, obviously Greg and I were huge Transformers fans. We had the toys. We, had, you know, we, we constantly watched the cartoon, the movie, everything. So I never thought in my wildest dreams, seriously, I never really thought that you know, all these years later, 20 or, or like, you know, 25 years later, that I would get to to listen to a show where someone has access to the voice actors and and storyboard artists and, and people who who are, are, you know, working at Hasbro at the time and, and talking about all these insider things. I never thought that, that I would... Because as a child... Maybe I was weird, I don't know, but as much as I enjoyed the shows and the toys, I also wanted to know, like, how does, how does this get made? Who's making this? Who's making this decision and why? And how do, you know, and, and now I get to listen to your podcast and you're talking to all these people. It's incredible. Well, yeah, though, it's, it's probably not as incredible as uh, you just made it out to seem, but... Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. I'm telling um, you, fr well, from where I'm sitting, it I, is incredible. The yeah, comic I, book artists, everything, that is incredible. Yeah, just just to give a brief uh, you know, outline of that, you, you went to a convention and Greg Berger was there. He's a voice actor. He did the voice of Grimlock and the original Transformers. And you had this long interview with him, which was, I'm telling you, it was really, really good. I mean, he had a lot of really good inside information, very similar to, um, for example, Dan Gilvezan, who did Bumblebee. Yes. And he does a lot of conventions, but he actually speaks at conventions. I, I don't know that they let Greg Berger speak at the conventions, <laughs> but... That's like kind of... That's but... so sad. Uh, Greg Berger did have his own panels. He, he has, like, at least two panels through a, throughout right. the week whenever he comes down here to Florida. And, and he'll be speaking, but the audience skews really young, okay? So you'll have a lot of young kids at the Greg Berger panel in about the first two rows. And I'll be sitting in the back, and here's freaking Greg Berger, you know? I mean, he's done so many things. And you'll have, like, two people dressed up as Pokemon characters ah. in the front row, and the girl's, like, falling asleep in the lap of her boyfriend. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, jeez. Wait, what Pokemon voice did he do? No, people just go into panels just because they want some place to knock, knock oh, out and fall asleep or something. Oh, they and they're picking of all Greg Burgers. Son of a... Come on. It just, there's so many people. And what really kills me is a lot of times there'll be small rooms and maybe uh, half of the chairs will be full. Okay? <laughs> so I'm thinking there's probably a billion people who would yeah. love this opportunity oh to be... Yeah, you know, and then who's really here? Who's who's actually well, here? 
you know? It, it's like one of the things we're going to say was we always joke about is, you know, when I, I like I usually will see it first and I'll say, hey, you know, Esteban talked to this guy or I was on Facebook and I saw him posting some pictures. You go to all these conventions like in Texas or Florida down south, you know, uh, it's like all of the you know, like all these guys appear there and we're jealous because they never come around here. They're probably up in your area, no, though. I mean, not. well, <laughs> Texas and Florida ain't exactly neighbors, so you do have to to do a little bit of a traveling. But you could, I mean, if you were if you were willing to maybe go to up into New York and Canada, you could do a lot of the same kinds of things. I mean, well, no, I mean, look, there are. Don't get me wrong. There is the conventions in New York City. There's a lot of conventions in New Jersey that that happen. Um, it's it's just a lot of and don't worry, there's a lot of you know like older like science fiction and and thing people that that appear there don't get me wrong it's just that they're they're expensive and they don't <laughs> the thing what, what I should say is they don't do panels it's yeah. not like a it's not a true like like a dragon con where there's panels or something they don't do they just they show up at a table and they sign autographs sometimes they take pictures and so if you could talk to them sometimes but you're gonna have to pay like seventy five dollars, you know, for Adam West's uh, autograph, and he's not gonna talk to you. Yeah, that's true. Adam West was at one of the last shows down here. I can't remember. I think it was Wizard World Miami or whatever, yeah. and it was much the same situation. But down here, though, and the reason I get away with all this is because Florida is not the pop culture mecca, you know, that that New York would be or yeah. New Jersey or or a lot of uh, even places in pennsylvania are when it comes to comic book shows mm. in in florida there's nothing here there's no reason <laughs> that there should be comic shows with big guests down here i don't understand why it exists that's well, the nice weather but it's the case yeah and so they come down here and the kids who, who go to these conventions aren't really they like they could care less who larry canny is yeah. or Greg Berger or all these comic book artists who have retired down here in Florida. And so what happens is you have, over the course of a three- or four-day show, ample opportunity to walk up to this person at their right. at their uh, table where they're just kind of, you know, watching people go by despite their level of, you know, infamy or, or notoriety or, or accomplishment. Right. And, yeah, and I can get away with that. I don't know that it could happen anywhere else. But, yeah, I've been somewhat lucky well, I think in that – the fame doesn't really follow. Well, again, but they're not, I mean, they're famous to people like us, you know what I mean? But they're not really like famous, famous. They're, they do voices. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, like Frank Welker. If you saw Frank Welker on the street, no one would know it's, it's Frank Welker. Like uh, we would know it's we Frank know. Welker, but like <laughs> the average person would have no idea. But if he started doing like, like uh, Fred uh, from Scooby-Doo, which is his normal voice, right? right. True. <laughs> you just start talking. Yeah. So, like, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, people be like, "Oh yeah, I know who that is," but they wouldn't know the guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're right, though. There probably are a lot of older retired guys down there. Plus, like around, like, like I said, in Philadelphia, New York City, they do have a lot of comic book artists and such. But they're the new stuff, which you know, again, I have no interest in. But they don't yeah. get they don't get a lot of voice actors. I probably because it's probably it's so much of an expense to fly them out there. So unless they're local, it's it's just it's very difficult to get them. 
Yeah, exactly. You're right. You know, so but but one of well the other thing is every time they every this botcon is always down south. Yeah, it's cheaper. That's annoying. Yeah, I mean, uh, it has to be cheaper than renting out the Javits Center in New York. You don't City. have to rent out the Javits Center in New York. You could rent out some like the where the they've had the uh, the global green stuff like where we oh, used to go yeah. see uh, Ed uh, Begley in New Jersey. They were in Rochester, I believe, in 1997. Well, that, yeah, that's 15, 15 years ago. Rochester, yeah, Rochester's like about eight hours of drive. <laughs> or something like that. But Yeah, I don't know why they're not up north. I think, no, well, I, the thing with BotCon was when they first decided, when they first started the show, is they used a list of fans that, that they knew of. They asked all the fans to, to mm. um, let their locations be known. And so the two guys, the the brothers and the and their friend who put it together, took all of these addresses and places where they knew fans were, and they picked kind of the geographic center right. of the Transformer fandom, which ended up being Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> and they figured as long as we could like stay in or around Fort Wayne, then we'd be good, and yeah. it'd be easy for pretty much everybody to come. But but then uh, ever since BotCon became like the official show, right, right. Well, that's then, what I was gonna say. Was Hasbro now is. Is has so much involvement now. Well, they're they're, they're headquarters in New York. <laughs> Come yeah, on. Well, there was they they did have one in Rhode Island. Uh, when was that? Two thousand seven. I think so. I would have gone to that. Yeah, the problem was it's just it's uh, Botcon was still somewhat underground before the movie came out. Yeah. And so yeah, there wasn't a lot of word of mouth, I imagine, or and or unless you lived in the city where it was going to be, you really had no idea it was going to happen. Oh, I probably knew. It just I I just didn't have the impetus to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on the guests and stuff, and and yeah. it's not every. Although it seems to be, uh, Peter Cullen's been going pretty consecutively. Yeah. However, it's it's not guaranteed that you'll get to get his autograph or even meet him anymore. Right. Aside from the the panel. Yeah, well, he's a so. big, uh, you know, Hollywood movie star now. Well, Welker never goes, so. Yeah, that's true. That's well, because never he's, he's working all the time. Uh, I don't know that that's a reason. I mean, he does he does not do any personal appearances at all, I don't think. Yeah, that sounds like more to me like a personal policy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. After all the botcons Cullen's been to, yeah. I don't understand what keeps Cullen going. After all the embarrassing <laughs> the ridiculousness him. that happens Oh my God! That's... Well, no, I, I honestly, I think the reason is the last several years because he's been doing the new movies and he's been doing the Transformers Prime series. My guess is that Hasbro has kind of, you know, it's kind of like worked it into his contract, which is strange. Yeah, probably. That Welker yeah. doesn't do it now because now he's doing the cartoon. But my guess is he probably told them I'm not doing it. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Frank Welker. Do, Esteban, do you know how old Frank Welker is? Uh, geez, at least, what, 73? What? Six, oh. 66 years old. 66. I was only off by, what, eight? Seven do you, years. Do you know Seven. how old Peter Cullen is? Probably older. Uh, if you geez. were to take a guess. If I was to take a guess, well, Cullen was, like, around laugh-in time back in the, the late 70s. He's got to be at least, and that he was, was early somewhat 70s. early seventies. He'd have to be, he'd have to be in his at least in his mid fifties. Seventy, <laughs> seventy, seventy years old, Peter Cullen. Wow, yeah, he may he may retire soon. 
he then, should, yeah, he then should I be will take over as the voice no. of Optimus Prime. <laughs> well, Michael Bell's really old. He's almost 80, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm really kind of expecting him to die any one of these <laughs> days. Jeez. I'm really kind of like, mm. I hope the people that he does conventions and appearances for really appreciate him. <laughs> wow. Well, Michael Bell, I don't know if he still lives in, in, he's from Brooklyn. I don't know if he still lives there. I don't think, I think he may be in California now, but he, I, I think he still does like an acting class. I wouldn't be surprised. He still auditioned for that last G.I. Joe show, Renegades. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. He had a so cameo he's... on it, but... Who is going to die first? God. Peter Cullen, Stan Lee, <laughs> or Paul McCartney? Ah. Well, didn't Paul McCartney already die? Well, uh, that's true. That's a trick question. <laughs> Stan Lee's a vampire. That's, so I guess we're left with Peter Cullen. Yeah. yeah, we are. I mean, within the next five years, pretty much everybody from that old uh, Transformer cartoon, or even that old '80s era of uh, you know uh, toy cartoon voices, mm. are, are probably going to be gone, or at least the big ones. Now, I mean, the guy uh, who used to do Psykill, the Gobot, yeah, he died in the early 2000s. I mean, not like that's a big deal or anything, or anybody really <laughs> who <was> cares. That? <laughs> but <laughs> who, who was that guy? Uh, I don't remember his name. Oh, all right. So when Peter Cullen eventually does die, do you think it'll be like the scene in the original Transformers, the movie, where they're all standing around Optimus Prime and he turns yeah, gray? He'll turn gray? <laughs> I don't know. And he'll say, Ultra Magnus, I passed the... Peter Cullen probably wants nothing to do with Transformers. He doesn't want them to stain his last few moments. <laughs> I know, He's probably going to come out of his shell. I'm sorry. Say, God, I hated that. God, I hated that <laughs> robot truck guy semi thing. Look, I, 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 I'm not making fun of it. I like Peter Cullen. I'm not saying this to make fun of him. I like the Transformers, and I like Peter Cullen, and I hope he, he continues to live a very long time. <laughs> All right, so... you got to be realistic. I don't think he's going <laughs> to hang around for much longer. It is to you I pass the matrix of doing the voice uh, of Optimus God. Prime. Sam Witwicky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll anyway, stop. so I'm tell listen, I've said it before. I will, you know, when I'll stop doing voices on the Paul Stevenson show, when I get my first paying voice acting gig. Well, you know what the punch luck is going to be. <laughs> you know what that first gig is going to be. It's going to be because Peter Cullen dies, the voice of Optimus Prime in Transformers 4 with Michael Bay. No, <laughs> no, I'll bring a gun to the set. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so uh, Esteban, you also um, interviewed uh, the comic book. This, this guy who was the um, storyboard artist, one of them for the Transformers original show, Wendell oh, yeah. Washer. Wendell Washer, yeah. Who was a voice actor and it was like a, he was like a, was like a physicist or something. My. No, he did so many things and across all... All of animation. I mean, he, he worked mm. at pretty much all the studios. But the only thing he didn't do was something with He-Man. He left Filmation before before that all started up. But, man, just like his resume reads like a lot of the shows that I really liked when I was a kid. And it was really uh, scary, really scary trying to talk to someone like that. Because you're talking pretty much someone who has contributed, again, one of those behind-the-scenes ways yeah. where 
the the contribution was enormous, but there's not a lot of the fame or or uh, word of mouth recognition of the the person's accomplishments. Yeah. And so, geez, you just feel like you wish you could you wish you could show the world the, this person, this man, and and you know talk about everything he's done. And well, just an hour or an hour and a half isn't going to do that. But yeah, I'm glad I got glad I got to talk to him. But that's the thing we can do so much with the internet now. Yeah, we can use these these formats, these platforms, the podcast to shine the light on people who aren't voice actors because everybody loves voice actors. Yeah, I mean Peter Cullen is not going to. Uh, to he's not gonna do like our he, shows like he died un, unknown and alone in life you know not that anybody else is because the animators and such they have their families they're 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 uh the people they work with are very much like an extended family of sorts and they all know what they've done what they did well that's the thing like after you were talking about in that episode like you know i i just like either emailed this guy or something and and he's like yeah i'll do it and and I, I, like I had this brainstorm, like, well, well, maybe like we should do that. We should be trying to email these these people. Well, here's the thing, like <laughs> Tammy Aaron. Well, that was the thing. That's the thing. She emailed. She was kind enough. Tammy Aaron, Pippi Longstocky, was kind enough to email us. Rob couldn't think. Of, he couldn't think of it's to what hard. to email. He but no, no, it's not that hard. He completely blew it. <laughs> I'm gonna email her back. That was like three <laughs> years ago. Email. It's not happening. <laughs> well, this is the thing. The the interview we had with um, uh, the guy Ed Daly, who did this the the um, serial book, and also um, um, Cassine Gaines, who did the Pee Wee Herman book. Who I apologize. These interviews <laughs> would not have happened if I hadn't taken the ball and, and emailed the people. Well, I had a lot going on at the time. <laughs> well, it's email. It's not that hard. Oh, right. But Esteban, seriously, though, like, again, maybe this is just me or us, but I feel like growing up, I was under the impression that that uh, even though these people aren't quite celebrities, to me, they're they're like celebrities, and and growing up, I was always like kind of taught or whatever. It's like, oh, that's a celebrity. They'll never talk to a regular person. You know, d don't even approach them. They're out of your league or whatever. There's that kind of mentality. Yes. Like, don't bother the person. He's out of your league. She's out of your league. But then, listening to your uh, the the Robo Plastic Podcast Ellipse, and you're interviewing these people at these shows like famous comic book artists and voice actors and stuff. And you're like, you know, thank you so much for doing it. They're like, oh no, thank you. And and they're they're so appreciative. And it and I just feel like that whole philosophy that that for some reason I was taught or that I just assumed is wrong. And that these people want to talk about what they do and and they really do appreciate being approached by people like you and me and Greg. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Which like is I was nice. saying, what was it? Like my last show, or maybe a show I haven't recorded yet, or something, or maybe I have the notes to say this. But I, I was referencing like a line in Fight Club where, where Tyler Durden goes, you know, where would Jesus be without the Gospels? It's we are the disciples. We are the apostles of of our fandoms, of the things that we enjoy, of the things that we love, and nobody's ever going to appreciate them as much as we do. Nobody's ever going to, and it comes down to not just things, but people as well. And 
I'm just very lucky. I feel very uh, fortunate to not just have the appreciation for the things that these people have done, but to also have the opportunity to actually approach them and, and talk to them. And in most cases in real life, you know, actually meet them in the flesh. Yeah. And yeah, pull nice. that's, that's insane. That's actually the, the only reason I started doing that was because I was like afraid of uh, computers and I didn't know how to figure out Skype and stuff. Yeah. And I figured, well, I want to do interviews, but I, I can't figure out the audio interview stuff yet. So the only way I'm going to do this is if I meet people in person. And so I started going to the shows and just walking up to them. And now, it, in retrospect, it feels like, oh, my God, what were you thinking? Because, right. of course, all, all, these, all these reasons that it shouldn't happen. Right. You know, get in your head like, no, the, this guy's famous. This guy's probably right. got a million other people that want to talk to him. I'm going to be eating up his time. He's here to sell things. He's here to draw. He's here to. Well, and... yes, but also that works in your favor. Remember, um, when we interviewed Ted Danson. How would you ever land that? that... <laughs> well, we just asked him. Well, no, the thing it, it was, was really that simple. The we thing... just said, hey, we do a podcast. Yeah. Can we interview you for a minute? Right. But. The other, but here's the key though. It wasn't like a book signing or something where he's there, he's only there for half an hour, an hour, he has to leave. He was basically there all day. We didn't even and realize that. By the time we got there, we didn't know that he had literally been there all morning and all day and talking to people, just talking to like the people that were there and all. We didn't know that. We just thought he was just going to show up for his <coughs> speaking. Time like they had a time that he was going to appear. He would show up. He would give his speech and then leave. Like we didn't realize that he'd literally been there all day. So wow. like we literally <laughs> stood in line. Hold on. After he was done, people were walking up to get the picture taken and all with him because he basically said he's like, look, you know, like after he's done, it's like I'm going to be over here to the side of the tent. Anybody who wants the picture taken, autograph, whatever, fine, just come up. You know, I'll be here. So we literally stood there for almost four. I think we were there for like 45 minutes just waiting for all the people to go past, get the picture. Oh, the, you know, Then the stupid women who were like, I saw you in cheers. I remember this episode. <laughs> we're like, oh, God, get out of here. <laughs> Finally, luckily, I don't think he'd done Broadway. So there weren't the Broadway uh, wackos. wackos who wanted to talk about Broadway. So finally he gets done and we're like the last people and we're like, hey, we get a picture. And so we get the picture with him real quick. And this woman who was in front of us in the line took the picture. And then because Rob, he, he couldn't muster up the, the strength <laughs> to do it. So finally I was like, hey, uh, Ted, do you, would you give us an interview for our podcast? No, I'm the one who asked. Oh, him. you asked him? Yes. Okay. Well, all right. Rob asked and fine. So... And he's like, yeah, yeah, fine. But he's like, I have to go back to the booth and and whatever. He had the booth there for his Oceana group. And uh, so he went back to the booth. And the, so we probably, I mean, we probably said this on the episode, but the as it went, we didn't know where he was. We're like, where, where is he? <laughs> so I went to look for him. And in the time that I went to look for him, he showed up. And I talked to him. So Rob just had to talk to him alone, but... You know that I mean we kind of we kind I think we kind of he kind of thought that we were like a bigger medium that we were. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Look, look podcasting now, it still carries some sort of weight with it because a lot of people, well, maybe other than podcasters, don't know what it is. Really. Exactly, they just think that it's important. Mm. Exactly, yeah. I mean, so look, some old guy like Ted Danson 
you know, the, like this new buzzword yeah. podcasting. It's like, oh yeah, oh you guys do a podcast? Yeah, sure, I'll talk to you guys. <laughs> now, exactly. meanwhile, it's just me with a little recorder <laughs> I bought sitting in my bedroom, you know, posting this on the internet. Now, when we actually, <laughs> which is we, good, it's a yes. good thing. That's how it should be. And when we when we met him again at the book signings a couple of years later, which Rob didn't record. Um, <laughs> Come he, on. I said to him like, "Hey, Ted, we we had you when you were at the uh, the green whatever." We had you on our podcast, and he's like, "Oh wow, that's that's incredible! That's that's, <laughs> that's so crazy." Uh, he said he remembered us. Oh really? He yeah. no. He goes. He he goes. I remember you guys. You know, because we were sitting in the first row when he was speaking at the book signing. He's like, you know, I saw you guys sitting there, and it just like for some reason I remembered you from somewhere. I I couldn't picture it. He's like, I wow. Thought, yeah, he he was saying like. He's like, you guys have a face that, that you would remember. So I'm like, well, okay. No, he, 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 I'm not going to quote him exactly. I don't remember what he, exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of like, like yeah, you guys seemed familiar, like, yes. like, like someone important. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, what do you do? You, you just play along. You don't yeah. say like, no, I'm just an idiot in my bedroom. You now, say, yes, I am very yes. important. Now, in the case of Ed Begley... Um, a friend of ours at the time actually had an in that she actually knew Ed Begley from, from California, from California, something, you know, with, in regards to his business, his green products business. So she actually emailed him and said, Hey, um, my friends are going to come to this, this thing that you're speaking at. Would you care like giving them an interview for their podcast? Wow. And he was like, oh, yeah, fine, great. Because, you know, he wanted to reminisce with her, you know, meet her or whatever again or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, he literally, after he was done, he sat on a park bench <laughs> with his limo waiting. Wow. And talked to us for like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it was. And, you know, we love Ed Begley. And, yes. Mean, yeah. and, I'm, and I will post the video. <laughs> this video? Yes. Since when? Since... 2008. I don't. What? Know. You've never sh kept this video and never shown it to me. Look, we have uh, stuff. This ought to be good. We have stuff in the archive <laughs> that I have to parcel out. Otherwise, it'll uh, just it'll just be all like used up at once. You saving this... it for the bonus features on the <laughs> DVD or something. Exactly. <laughs> Gonna kill him. Now, what happens Wait, if you croak hold and on. I couldn't get into your computer? Hold on. By the way, mm -hmm. uh, that episode where we talked about, where we talked with uh, Ted Danson and Ed Begley Jr. was PaunchStevenson.com and it's episode 101. Actually, I you're wrong. It was not the same episode. It was two episodes. No, it was one episode. No, it wasn't. I swear it was one episode. It was two episodes. No. So we broke it out. I am the archivist. <laughs> I remember... <laughs> For some reason, I remember it as one episode. It is All right, fine. It is. I remember. Uh, I remember when I listened to it. I was at the Target. Used to have a sort of a, a hamburger place, a hamburger grill place that wasn't a Pizza Hut or wasn't a Subway or any other name built into it. It was the Target Eatery, the Target <laughs> Deli. And I remember I was listening to you guys. I was good. at the Target Deli with my son here in Florida. With that episode and Ted Danson coming into my ears, and we're we're sitting at the the Target Deli, and I, I he's having a Slurpee or an icy, and I remember just being really mad at my wife for for not hurrying up. 
It's just weird. Why? The, the memories, they come back. It, just the episodes, <laughs> as I've listened to them, form these bonds, these sort of parasitic bonds that latch onto these moments in my life. And I can bring them back just by talking about your show and then and the things that happened on your show. All right. Well, I know that there are, again, I know that there are pictures and, and different things that Rob, I don't know what he did with them. I've <laughs> I never seen them. them. I want the video. Well, I, at least give me the video. <laughs> I will. My God. It's in Something the that does kind of bother me about the show is that the show notes are not as, as, uh, developed as they could be you know there could be a really? lot more links there a lot more of your your reflections or your, your like photographs or things of that nature in addition to the to what you write on there well here's the well, thing there aren't many here's, <laughs> hold on <laughs> here's the thing with but that. we do the collage here's the here's the thing with that. i do the collage i should say greg does the collage here's the yes. thing though uh for a long time i was very nervous or I, I was very hesitant to put extremely long show notes for each episode <laughs> because i just felt like like people would go to paunchstevenson.com and say oh look the, uh, 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 a new episode is posted yeah. oh my god there's 50 top three i'm not listening to this forget it <laughs> well it's not just is that, that stupid it, it, yeah that's i feel like that too but am my I stupid or my thing also is if we mention something for like 20 seconds i don't put it in the list because i'm like well i'm not gonna tell i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh uh you know overhype that oh look we mentioned russell crowe in this episode and all it is is rob saying hey russell crowe's uh, an, <laughs> Crow an idiot and i'm like yeah whatever I mean, that's that's not us really discussing them yeah but you see the thing is you had this monumental event the the ed bagley and the yeah ted Danson, and if you had additional material that that should have outweighed, or like you with the gem lady, the gem voice lady. Oh, yeah. That shouldn't have been an addendum to a comment. Yeah, but that the, was <laughs> that should have been right up front. That should have been really. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Hey, you are the listener, so this is good feedback well, for us. The, the th here's the other thing. The thing was when I brought it up. Okay. We were at the very end of when of the night that we were recording, and Rob basically had to go to sleep. <laughs> so or something so we basically had to stop so when i brought it up i had expected him to give a little backstory of hey you know i met her this is what happened when i met her it was a lot better than when i met juliana hatfield who's no all right you want the story real quick not really but... no hold on real quick a little late now real quick Actually, it was not better than when I met uh, Juliana Hatfield. Oh, no. Was that bad? It was the same because, okay. how you know, like a few minutes ago, we were just talking about how. <laughs> By the we, way, this is Britta Phillips. Britta Phillips. Yeah. So a few minutes ago, we were all talking about how these people who we look up to and think of as celebrities, even though they're really not giant Hollywood celebrities, but we're we're nervous or hesitant to approach them. But they actually like it. Mm. But with musicians. Juliana Hatfield and and I now think it's just, I think it's musicians. Well, Juliana Hatfield and Britta Phillips, in my experience, were very um, detached and very like just distant and cold. And I, you know, I'm not saying they're mean people. It's just when I went when I met them in real life and I went to talk to them and and. 
at the time not Britta Phillips, but Juliana Hatfield asked her if we could just talk to her for a few minutes at some later date on the Pawn Stevenson <laughs> show. It was just like, eh, yeah, hey, right. hey, how you doing? Eh. Oh, you like the L? Oh, okay. You, you like my CD? It's like she's a weirdo. It's like, come on. <laughs> now Britta Phillips, I, I, I uh, was a big Gem fan. The cartoon. I, I'm a big fan of all the Sunbow cartoons from the 1980s and and Filmation and all that. Well, stuff. I don't know about uh, what was the robot one? Robotics. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I knew that Britta Phillips was the singing voice of the character Jem on the TV show Jem, and Samantha North did the speaking voice. So, um. Years later, this was 2003, I found out that Britta Phillips was actually a real-life musician and singer, and she was in bands. So she had just started this new band with her boyfriend at the time. I, it, it's, the, guy's now the, her husband. the guy's now her husband, Dean Wareham. Um, so it was Britta and Dean. They came out with a CD, and they were performing in New York City, where I was living at the time. I said, oh, this is great timing. I'm going to get to meet this person that I have that I really like. She's involved in this cartoon that I really like. So I bought tickets. It was at Village Underground, which I don't think is there anymore. But it was a place called Village Underground. Dean and Britta, they played this concert in 2003. And afterwards, I went up to her. And I got a picture with her. You see, this is why he didn't go into detail when we recorded. It would have taken him at half hour. Well, I'm at the end. And I got a picture with her. And again, I was like, just try. I was so excited. I'm like, you know, I, I really like your music and, you know, your singing and on Gem. It's, you know, you have a great voice. And, and again, she was just kind of like this cold, like, I don't care attitude. Yeah. And, and even on. On the several different releases of the Gem DVDs that have come out the past several years, like the Rhino one and the Shout Factory one, um, anytime she's involved in special features, at, like an interview with her, like if they interview Samantha Newark or Christy Marks, who developed the series, like they're all really excited, like, oh my god, it was so much fun and I loved it. And, and then they, they do an interview with Britta Phillips, it's just like, yeah, you know, it was just a like a dumb girls cartoon <laughs> and, and like that's it that, that's the whole interview I'm like like come on at least pretend to care get a life people it's just a tv show i don't know so i guess certain people are just like just, i don't know they just have well, that no, that yeah distant... but then as the interviewer the responsibility falls on your shoulders to be prepared for that to be the case and then try to work with or around it because well, I know uh, that's true. What? The old jingle of the episode. Oh yes. Um we're we're gonna ask you for an old jingle of the episode. It's it's your choice. Obviously something we haven't done already. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like a cartoon or something. Um Okay. Or or put it this way, just name some of your favorite old jingles. Theme songs, jingles. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but thing. one that's been going on in my head a lot lately. I don't know if you... Oh, no. It, it's a movie reference. That's okay. So, do you remember that uh, Lily Tomlin movie where she grows the to be the gigantic uh, 50-foot woman? 
No. No. <laughs> no. Oh, it's sorry. Just, was it Daryl Hannah? No, this was a Lily Tomlin movie. Really? And, uh, the reason she grew up to to the gigantic proportions was because of like a hairspray or something called Galaxy Goo. And in the movie, they have commercials for this product, Galaxy Goo. And for some reason, just, well, probably because I need to comb my hair a lot lately. And I'm like, man, I could really use some Galaxy Goo right now. And we're talking, this was a movie that came out like in the early 80s. Yeah. But, and I haven't seen it since, since I was a little kid. But I always have in my head that song, Galaxy Goo, Galaxy Goo. What would we do without Galaxy Goo? Um, maybe we can find it. So wait, a minute, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That sounds like something, though. It, oh, it's really hard. It sounds and, like... No, no, it's I'm telling you, Zippy. There's there was an old show. Yeah, Zippy Zippy my oh my, what a wonderful day that. No, not that. No, um, not the Captain. What was this? The not the Captain Kangaroo. That stupid show from the early '80s with all the people running around and dancing. They were all dressed as like chickens and. What? <laughs> the, remember that Ben uh, Ben Vereen played like the the, the oh, tiger guy. Um, oh. The Bugaloos? No. What? Ben? Yes. <laughs> what are you talking? By the way, I think the movie you're talking about is the Incredible Shrinking Woman, which the was Incredible Shrinking Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed yeah. by Joel Schumacher, which makes sense, but it was written by Richard Matheson of all people. <laughs> well, the novel. Yeah, the that guy. Th that guy's novels got. Developed so badly into sh the movies, it's not even funny. Yeah, look up Ben Vereen, which you spelt completely wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Is he still alive? Yeah. Come on, go down. Wait, 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 wait. Filmography. TV. There we go. Uh, I used to. Zoo, Zoobly Zoo! Never seen it. You don't remember Zoobly Zoo? <laughs> no. No! I, I thought it was just called The Zoo. No, it was Zoobly Zoo. It was like, zoobly zoo. It was like the same thing. Ah, oh, we're going to have to play both stupid jingles now. Oh my god. If you could find the Galaxy Goo, which isn't even real, a, a real jingle for a real product, that would just bring <laughs> back so many memories. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, but he's not going to be able to hear it. The problem is, it, uh, it played, I think, during the end credits. Completely and fully. All the way through. I guess it's uh, kind of like a joke. Yeah. Uh, after that's a good movie. I don't know if you want me to spoil it. Well, I don't know that I even remember enough to spoil it, but the memory uh, I you're have not spoil <laughs> is that she's shrinking down to infinity, and so I guess she disappears, and that's when there's the the fade out, and then they play the Galaxy Goo song. Yeah, I I see something here. According to YouTube, there's a few clips. It's called Galaxy Glue. Glue. I thought it was goo. Well, this shows how my memory is. But that's a jingle. That's a jingle. That's something I don't think I've heard. Charles before. Grodin's in it. Yeah, Grodin's in it. Mm -hmm. Charles Grodin. All right, so two old jingles oh. of the episode. All right. <laughs> hey, Greg, do you know what it's time for? It's time for well, the old jingle of the episode. Everyone up. Everyone in. For the fun to begin Come along with us to Zoobly Zoo Zoobly Zoo Magic and wonder are waiting for you It's as close as a dream And as bright as the brightest blue Welcome to Zoo. 
Azumos to you. I'm Mayor Ben. I'm here to lend a helping hand. I'm Bill the Beaver. I'm the things on command. There's daring and adventure when lookout comes to call. And a kangaroo named Woodland who puts music to it all. My name is Van Gogh. Just call me fun. And you will shout bravo once the show has begun. Esteban, um, I don't think you ever said what your uh, URL of your website is. Well, you've sent it, said it 6,000 times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, geez. Um, all right. It's uh, please save me robots.blogspot.com. If anybody wants to go to that, although I don't right. know why. All right. Now, so let's. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. The last time you were on the show, again, was, was 2008. Now it is 2012. Any quick updates you want to give our listeners? Like, what's new with your life or new discoveries okay, well, or anything? The, the big deal right now to me... Oh, well, if you're really interested... I don't know, this gets kind of into a really nerdy Transformer-level kind of stuff. But um, two things, two big revelations as of late, or uh, one revelation and one, um, one hopeful meeting I'll get to do later on in the month... The, the first thing is, you know, on the internet, they have pretty much established the way things unfolded. That is how and when toys came out. And people kind of uh, take it for granted that, okay, well, G.I. Joe was 1982, uh, Transformers was 1984. And then if, if you, like, if you turn up the resolution a bit, that you can start talking about, okay, well, the first year Optimus Prime came out was, what, 1984? You know, so we all have kind of pretty much set in stone the or at least we think we we do the the release dates down to at least the year of when these iconic toys came out and so what i've been doing or what i enjoy doing on on my podcast on my show is uh, going back through newspaper ads and kind of unproving a lot of these things that we we thought we knew about when things came out and uh there there are certain toys speaking of greg berger there's certain toys in the Transformer line where if you go on the internet and you look it up, they say, oh, well, the Dinobots came out in 1985. And everybody kind of agrees with that because uh, the, the Dinobots are in the 1985 Transformer catalog. Things of that nature. Well, what 
like I say, what I enjoy doing is I like finding Dinobot ads that predate what we think we know. And what, what I'm going to be talking about in my next few shows are some uh, Dinobot ads that I found from 1984. So showing, you know, that the Dinobots came out a lot earlier than what the accepted uh, common knowledge is. That's kind of a, a big thing to me. So, so that's a big deal, and hopefully I'll have those ads up in the next few days. But the second thing, and this may not pan out at all, okay? Because, again, it's going to be uh, me talking to, or possibly not talking to, a celebrity... That is of my of, of a celebrity to me type person, okay? At my one of my upcoming conventions, okay. This is the man who is credited by by the other people who worked on the Transformers with having actually come up with the name Optimus Prime, okay? Wow, huge deal. A comic writer named Denny O'Neill, okay. But the thing is, he's again he's one of those where this isn't exactly the thing he cares to be known for. It's not something that – I'm not going to say it's not something he's uh, not proud of because I don't know that for sure. But it's just a lot of times you'll have artists or people who who are were associated with this property that to them it was just a job. Or in Denny O'Neill's case, a lot of the work he did for it was rejected. It was not used. But there are certain pieces that he came up with that were and went on to become, you know, some of the cornerstones of the franchise. Well, Danny O'Neill's coming down here at the end of the month to a convention that I'll be going to. And again, I'm hoping the magic will, you know, happen as it has before. And I'll get to actually talk to him and ask him, well, first, is it true? Because for the most part, it's just two other people very close to Transformers at the time, Jim Shooter who is the man who came up with the idea of Cybertron and all these things, and the, the Autobot Decepticon War and all this, and Bob Budiansky, who, who came up with the character profiles and the names for a lot of that original core Transformer cast, they both credit Denny O'Neill as the guy who named Optimus Prime. Although, you, you don't know for sure, you don't know 100% until you talk to the band himself, you know? Yeah. And it seems that nobody on the internet has ever asked Denny O'Neill... What do you remember of mm. naming Optimus Prime? And because the man has done so many other things, I believe he's the guy that came up with the idea that Iron Man was an alcoholic and all this back around Iron Man 200 or so. Those old classic, classic Iron Man. Ep- and um, we know who invented him. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So Denny O'Neill may it's not have been... me! Okay. Go ahead. Uh, invented Iron Man, but he came up with a lot of good stories, and Batman as well. And so he's like an, an icon, a comic writing icon, who just also happens to have, as kind of like a footnote in his career, you know, the credit for, for naming Optimus Prime. And I'd like to uh, talk to him at the end of this month, and hopefully this will pan out, hopefully this will work. I'm expecting, though, that it, it might not, and he won't remember anything. Ah. But, you know, just, that's, that's just, kind just, of... Just be rude and force yourself on him. Oh, I would love to. There was last year he was at a convention in Orlando, and for all of five seconds I saw him. Hmm. No. He just was – he's non-existent. He sat down and was just swarmed by people trying to get him to sign their Batman books and all this. Nah. And then he had so much other charity work and, and things to do that he, it was just impossible. Im-freaking possible. But again, this is going to be Miami. And it's it's not a comic uh, culture mecca, 
So I'm thinking maybe I'll get a shot at him, and maybe I'll I'll get to be be the only guy on record on the internet <laughs> to have uh, any sort of interaction with Denny O'Neill uh -huh. concerning the contributions he made for Transformers. No, well, now, now I want to hear it. All right, now make it happen. Right, I so hope so. <laughs> one, hope of the, so. one of the things that has, that you have on your site is all you do all you go through all these old ads as you were saying advertisements and stuff about robots and including transformers and gobots and all that. So one that caught my eye that you did, you put up there uh, uh, recently was there was some toy catalog you found on eBay or something of from Ravel which is a model maker, you know, Ravel you know, I had Ravel cars, you put together yes. the the model, you glue it together whatever. So apparently they were going to release Transformers models. Yeah, their idea was they, they had snapped together kits. Well, over in Japan, these sorts of kits did exist. Ah. So it was something that was part of the, you know, the, the Japanese uh, transforming robot experience. Mm. And they had them made for, well, Sunstreaker and uh, a it's couple a others. Alert. Well, the idea was, well, that that's what's totally interesting about that Ravel catalog is that Ravel didn't have the actual model kits, okay? But they had mm. the ideas of which characters they wanted to do. Mm. And, and so in, in some instances, what they did was they took the actual Transformer toys that already exist, okay? And they just used them as mock-ups for the models that they were planning to release, yeah. but that eventually never did get released. And one of the weird things that they did, one of the strange toys that shows up in this Ravel catalog is is a bizarre um well we all know red alert or transform people do that he's he's the lamborghini uh fire department car yeah <laughs> he's kind of a weird looking uh white lamborghini white and red and, lamborghini. and on the show he was like a, a crybaby yeah he was like a paranoid kind of a a, a weirdo nut nutcase yeah. yeah well instead of using the the toy that we would know eventually that, that we would come to know as as red alert for for their red alert, instead what Ravel does is they show a Sunstreaker painted as red alert, and it's very uh -huh. obvious because Sunstreaker the Lamborghini has this giant engine sticking out of the back. It's mm -hmm. a rear-mounted engine behind the uh, the what would you say the the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. So instead of being the normal Lamborghini that was used for sideswipe, as they did with the with the toy line. And just repaint Sideswipe into a, a fire department Lamborghini. No, they took Sunstreaker, which is which doesn't appear anywhere else in in the Transformers. A Sunstreaker painted as as Red Alert and called Red Alert. So it's kind of a weird thing that Ravel would do that. And again, it's just a strange, well, obscure care. little footnote that somewhere out there there has to exist this toy that mm. was used for this model shoot. It's probably yeah. a one of a kind one. Nah, it probably threw it out. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, exactly. That's probably exactly what happened. Well, and so what's weird is, yeah, in in the toy catalog, toy catalog collecting circles, you find weird references to to artifacts that possibly no longer exist, but at one point may have been the idea, you know, or the the impetus, the the plan for what was going to be. The yeah, universe. I mean, it's the same thing as video games. You know, they 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 don't show. I mean, they're not going to be in a catalog, but when. The designers come up with them. They put, like in the old days, they would put them on prototype cartridges. Yes. And every so often they turn up because the developer, you know, gave them to some friend and, and then it just turns up somewhere and Garage you know, whatever. Days. Yeah, right. Or, you know, something like that. So this is, I mean, it's probably the same thing. So it possibly. 
It's just Here's you're my... never. I swear you're never gonna see that on the secondary market, or what? Well, right. It's just it's not gonna happen. The the actual living proof or whatever that thing was is not gonna pop up after all these years. So, Esteban, who did you say that they painted to look like Red Alert? Sunstreaker. Sunstreaker. So, so why didn't they instead of advertising a Red Alert model, why didn't they just advertise a Sunstreaker model? You're looking at it. Well. Sunstreaker was already going to be one of the other models. So they were going to have Sunstreaker and Red Alert. I got you. So So they were going to have both. They had a Sunstreaker, but then... And and it's weird because the model kit exists in in Japan as... Well, there was a a toy we never got. It was Sunstreaker with the the police lights on top. It was a police Sunstreaker, essentially. But Hasbro, for whatever reason, decided not to release that here in the States. It's just such a strange enigma, this Revel, this Revel catalog <laughs> and the, the choice of this toy, because they could have taken an existing, you know, Japanese toy and just taken a picture of that and made yeah. it police sunstreaker. Well, the other but, weird thing is they had pictures in that book of, of like Jetfire slash Skyfire and some other Transformer. I don't even know what it is, but like. No Optimus Prime, no Starscream, no Megatron. Well, yeah, but you see, back then, at that point, they didn't know what was going to take off, or they didn't know yeah. who the, the big characters were going to be. It is a weird selection. It was like Roadbuster, Jetfire, who wasn't even a Takara. I mean, it was a Bondi toy that they they had to drop once Hasbro decided that Takara was going to be their, their partner, their main, uh, the main manufacturer of the Transformer line. So, yeah, it's a weird, bizarre kind of mix of characters Ravel was planning to put out for whatever reason. Yeah, they picked Sunstreaker, Red Alert, Roadbuster, and Jetfire. Just uh, strange. Uh, I just had a, a question real quick about... This will be my last Transformers question, since you are the the uh, authority of Transformers. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> um it always bothered me, and did this bother you when I was young, I was watching the Transformers cartoons, and I also had the toys, and and there was that fold-out checklist of all the toys on display. Yes. And it's like, oh, look, there's Soundwave, he's in the cartoon, and there's Megatron, he's in the cartoon, and Optimus Prime, and Prowl, and all these guys, and they never, ever put in the cartoon... The, quote, deluxe Transformers. Well, yeah, the deluxe Autobots and the deluxe the Insecticons. Heck? They always they... had these two or three robots that ne- they just never put them in. Well, but because yeah, they had but... to take the line from Takara. This, we've been down this road before. Yeah, the, the, show, the show was shown in Japan, okay? And it was? Since, yeah, they, they just redubbed it and showed it over there oh, as fight oh. super robot life form Transformers. And so, you see, Takara, since they're the ones behind the, the toys, and they're the ones pushing the show, couldn't exactly have their competitors' toys in it. You know, it, it wouldn't I make got you. much sense. So that's why Jetfire, as we know him, isn't drawn the way we know him. And, mm. well, Takatoku toys, which, well, it's, it's a long story, but the, the molds that were not used eventually went to companies other than Takara. So Bondi, which which absorbed all these all these toys, would have gotten some really nice free advertising had 
had uh, Hasbro went ahead and featured people like Roadbuster and Whirl and mm. and uh, the deluxe Insecticons in their you. show, but it, it would kind of be biting the hand that feeds you over in Japan. Yeah. No, because that, that makes total them. sense. Well, it yeah. also makes sense because when you think about it, those toys, just the general look of, not the robot form, well, that too, but the vehicle forms had really nothing to do with the other like the Takara robots where all the vehicle forms were some kind of, you know, modern contemporary vehicle. And then you had like Jetfire and like you're saying Whirl and and their vehicle modes were were not real vehicles. Well, yeah, they were kinda out there. Well, the Transformers was kinda all over the place those first few years. <laughs> Because yeah. it was such an amalgamation of a lot of different lines. Well, the third season, then, yeah, then the third yeah. season, nothing was real. <laughs> but, you know, uh, just uh, another thing, just real quick, um, things that came to me while I was uh, thinking about them. Um, the reason Ravel probably chose those toys is because those models did already exist. They had a jet fire because... Ravel were the people behind the Robotech uh, model kits. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Robotech model kits, but nah. what they did there was they licensed a whole bunch of Japanese model kits and tried to uh, combine them in, under one line. Although back in Japan, they were a bunch of different um, different stories, different shows. Different. They they put them together and then called it Robotech. And then of course, Robotech as we know it, the the story about the spaceship going into outer space and stuff that that came along. And they, the people behind that show asked Ravel if they could use the name. But anyways, the point being, Ravel knew what was already available in terms of pre-existing Japanese model kits. Mm. And it just happened to be that those toys were in the Transformer line. And so that's why, probably, because that's why they picked Roadbuster, Jetfire, and, and uh, Sunstreaker. Ah, they're because, idiots. They should have done some it was work. easy to port it over. That's why. And another thing... They took just, the easy way out. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's, that's all they were and doing in the 80s. And now where are they? Dead. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> the, the guy who originally uh, voiced Psykill... Well, he's dead. Well, yeah, he, he's dead. But I had his name real quick. Yeah, Regardless, Rob found him before. <laughs> Bernard Regardless, or hard or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. What happened? What's funny about that though is in 2005 when Robot Chicken wanted to do Psykill. Yeah. You see who they got? No. Who? No. Guess who? Bad oh, no. guy robot. Oh, uh, what? Frank Welker? They got Frank Welker uh, to do Psykill. Uh, yeah. Uh. It's me, Psykill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So those are my only two footnotes. Now we can go back over where. All right, well, where I was going to go um, was I've been meaning for the longest time on this show, and this is just going to be some rap. We're going to try to make this rapid fire. Uh-oh, rapid fire. Which is not going to work. <laughs> it's the lightning round. Between you and Rob, this is not going to work. I've been wanting to talk about the, these cartoons that have come out in the last few we years of Transformers, Thundercats are back on the air, even Tron now is back. And Rob, of course, is never going to see these. So know. it's like me talking to the wall. <laughs> I can still comment. All right. So first of all, Transformers Prime. I think you've been. Wa I mean, I've watched every single episode. Oh, congratulations! Of the two seasons. Why? So you don't like it? Oh my god! You okay, no. It? I I appreciate this show. I I love this show. Okay, but I love it because it's just so absurd. <laughs> it just.
What? I mean, my you, God, nothing. You didn't no think it was realistic that Unicron, the planet Earth, was really Unicron? Okay, well, that's cool. That's that's a great little twist on everything. Okay, <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's just a really weird pl place. I think to go is just a, a twist. I think for the sake of it, but but up until that point in that show, nothing ever happened. My God, uh -oh. every show is just the the pace of storytelling in Transformers Prime is so what you would say decompressed. Yeah. It's... Oh, geez, it's like each episode is just this marathon of of broody, emotionally <laughs> depressed robots and and just about human sidekicks that are about sort of the same, just trying to you know mope their way through these. These boring <laughs> situations that have no Mope stakes is a whatsoever. Good term. Well, it's like it, the 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 emo transformer. Oh yeah, it's the emo transformer, <laughs> and then they add that soundtrack to it from the movies. Yeah, and you're just like, oh god, this show takes itself way too seriously. But it does have Peter Cullen and and Frank Welker and Ernie Hudson and. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's really great. It, it's but just, even the way that Frank Welker. Does the Megatron voice? You it's don't like, notice a difference. No, 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 because you don't I, notice. I forget. You did the, hold listen, told us. So how would you? I, I've watched some episodes. <laughs> I swear. Oh, yeah. I forget what episode it was where we played this this clip of an interview from a convention, and it was Frank Welker talking about. You know, I but used that to wasn't do the voice the like this. Yeah, I know, but that wasn't from the show. I know, but he's saying, I used to do the voice screaming like this, and, and now I'm going to do it more. Yeah. I'm going to be an actor. Well, he yeah, started yeah. that. Actually, he started that And on... then he's dead for the majority of season one. True. But, well, that's, that's honestly, that's just because they didn't want to pay him for... <laughs> no, but, but my point no, is... But he started... On. Welker started that, that lower, like, more like slower Megatron deeper voice he started that with the video games the recent video games that he did and also there was some kind of audio dramatization of <laughs> this prequel to the Transformers first Transformers movie I asked about I don't know if you saw that it's it's actually on DVD that the bonus disc with the Walmart yes it's yeah. it's a terrible I mean it's well, it's one of those like comics where it's just the comic just pans. Yeah. And the yeah, guys but, are talking. But Bumblebee talks in that. Oh, that's wow, cool. That's it's narrated by the guy who voiced Bumblebee, and it's like the only place you get to hear Bumblebee tell a story. Well, in movie continuity. But, well, hold on. And in this cartoon, he doesn't talk there either. <laughs> My point was that, okay, fine. If Frank Welker wants to do a, a more, like... You know, actor version of Megatron. That's fine, but he's not even doing that. He he's he's not doing the raspy. He's doing like he is though. Like, hey, I'm Megatron. No, he's not Look doing that. No. You didn't watch it. <laughs> I did. You no, did. In the episode that I watched, the character that they were all calling Megatron talked like. No, you know, he talked like this. He doesn't. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. That's how he talks. Maybe there's a different Megatron. I don't know. You must have been watching some other Transformers cartoon, but that I don't know. He, but I'm yeah, where something he happens. Talks like this. Where, I don't know. Anyway, my my but, issue. But my question is: Is he doing that because he can no longer do the screaming no. Megatron, no, or he, he just doesn't I, want to? No, I think I think that they've made him do that so that it's more in line with the movie. Well, that's stupid. That's just that's just my guess. <clears throat> I don't know, but 
because that was probably like one of the reasons like Michael Bay probably was was given like a sample of of 1985 Megatron and was probably was like well, what the hell I don't want I don't want this guy this guy sounds crazy yeah but that's awesome <laughs> I understand that but he's an idiot all right all right so so anyway my point being yes I agree the show is very slow it's very drawn out the episodes are very slow they're very drawn out Welker gets very little to do in everyone. Like, there's that one that really bothered me. The first one that really bothered me. It's the whole episode is like three or four Transformers are stuck in a cave. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the whole episode, they're just lost in a cave. Then he like, gets stuck in a cave. Yeah, he gets... And he, he has these, okay, these nuanced moments with Starscream, maybe, near the end. Mm, yeah. If he ever even gets to talk more than two sentences to anybody in that show, I think it's with Starscream. But nothing happens. I, well, yeah, but a minute. did you watch? Did you watch the end of this first season where it was like the three parter? Where yeah, well you saw it because yes. you knew the yes, yes. Yeah, but I mean that those are the episodes I gave Rob to watch. He never watched them, but I, in those episodes, like Megatron and Optimus Prime, they had to work together, and, yes. and it was like the whole episode was those two guys talking. <laughs> but my and, point, and I actually I really liked them. But my point being, the reason you don't get more of that is. Then they have to pay Frank Welker. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a good conspiracy theory. I mean, that, a, that, think about it. I mean, they're not, they, I guarantee you, they do not want to pay him all that time. And even Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen, in a lot of the episodes of the second season now, you never see Optimus Prime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's Prime there very little. And I'm telling you, the reason is they got to pay him, they don't want to pay him the rate. That would probably make sense. That would probably make sense. It it does give uh, a little bit of spotlight to the other characters, which which is kind of nice. You didn't see that a lot. Well, now they have the problem is the characters somewhat mirror like what they used to do. Or like Ratchet. I mean, he's kind of like crotchety or whatever. But then they bring in Wheeljack, and he he is nothing like the cartoon Wheeljack. He's Wheeljack like wasn't even guy. Wheeljack in his first episode. I didn't even get to figure out what Wheeljack was like in the one where they introduced Wheeljack. Because right. he was like a clone or something. It's yeah, just, yeah, right, right. It's it's like, again, when are you going to get to start using the characters? Instead of these... Well, it's a kid's show. Okay, I can't complain about like plot devices and stories you've already seen a million times in other shows. But, man. Well, it is a ki- I know, it is a kid's show, but at the same time... Um, I, my problem is that they, again, maybe it's too much money to do the extra CG models or something, but they just don't have enough Transformers. They don't have enough characters. Yeah. That's, a, that's the one thing, the number one thing I hate about Michael Bay's movies is, uh, number one, obviously, the, the Transformer, the robots are not part of the movie. I mean, they're just, they're just props. They don't get their own personalities. They don't get... The, you know, to, to have the screen time, and there's not enough of them. You know, the transfer. The great thing about the Transformers series was there was nine million robots. Yeah, but you can't. Again, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't cram nine million robots into Why not? Uh, two, a two-hour movie. And what they did it in the original. Well, not cohesive. the movie. What about this this cartoon? This this CGI show? The more well, robots. Uh, again, CGI is going to cost money. Yeah, the, I know. The it's, robot I know. Models. It's going to. The models are going to cost more money. It's just, it's, but it's, that's why they should make the models simple, like you know, they actually more, are more along the lines of the original cartoon. No, they actually are. 
I think what they should do is just do as they did with a bulkhead. Yeah. And just create these new characters and call them something else. No, I want oh, I want don't original. Call, right. Don't call Bumblebee this thing that's Bumblebee that's no. passing for Bumblebee. Don't call that Bumblebee. That's uh, not Bumblebee. But that, that's the, from the movie. Wheeljack. Wheeljack's not a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> it's like find another name. Get some other obscure Transformer guy that that you could you could homage. Uh, I know, and use but him. It, it, it it was like what was the previous cartoon Transformer uh, animated. animated? Yes. Well, actually, I mean, Transformers Animated was very kitty, but I like some of it. Yeah, I liked. Yeah, that was all right. I, I mean, that show had that. a lot of the original characters. It didn't exactly look the same, but they were the same color schemes and all. Yeah, yeah. They would yeah. bring them on as like Weird Al Yankovic was somebody, wasn't Rick it? Gar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Gar. Which like, okay. All right. Well, I guess John Mashida was too much money or something. Well, so Eric Idle, the British guy, was the oh, original. Oh, that's right. Red yeah, guard. it was Eric. Well, they weren't going to get him. Yeah, that was. not <laughs> well, you never know, though. You never know. I, it's, who would have known that uh, Weird Al was going to be <laughs> in an true. episode? They well, they did a lot of really nice one-off sort of uh, yeah cameos in in animated, which was kind of cool. But uh, I, I started watching a couple shows again of animated the other day, and it wasn't yeah. really as great as I remember it. I think it's just the preceding Transformer shows before were animated. Were so bad, yes. Or, yeah, just mm. it's just so they were so terrible. Awful. Oh god, one after the other, I couldn't believe how bad they were. Ugh, it was awful. The the pre movie. All right, days. so apparently you're not the biggest fan of Transformers Prime. Well, it's interesting, Fine. and we watch it. We watch it. Okay, yeah. so it's like me and my son will watch it. It's just it's so absurd. I enjoy it because it's absurd and silly, or at least to me it is. And so while other people maybe don't get it. When when I start laughing because the serious uh, government character saying that we should be worried about not not the new world order the threat here in Transformer Prime is the newest world order and ridiculous things like that when when I laugh and 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 kind of to myself goof on it well that guy and, is comic comic relief anyway it, it almost seems I don't know what's comedic relief. This whole show seems to me sometimes to be comedic relief in that it takes itself really way too seriously. That soundtrack is for that that soundtrack is is for the movies, not yeah, well uh, again. But they're 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 forced to do a lot of those things. It just seems so overly dramatic and goofy. And I'm like, eh. this is Transformers. This is the 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 cartoon. It's it's lineage. What it came from was not really uh, this show, and I can appreciate them. My thing with it is, it's a Transformers show to watch. It's it's okay. It's it's decent, and it's not the movie. These Michael Bay garbage. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's filling it in the spots. Yeah, it it could be worse. Yeah, it, it, this is the one that that was on when you know when the movies were in between movies. I guess I don't know that we'll remember it much other than that it had Peter Cullen. But what doesn't and Frank Welker? And Welker, yeah. <laughs> and, but look what they did with him. Did it even have them much at all? Listen, so, I, I swear, I'm telling you that the Megatron them. voice, it, you're, it's you, like, you, hey, have, you can't say it, you hey, didn't watch Starscream, no, it come wasn't. over no. here. It, it sounds like an evil Freddie Jones from Scooby-Doo. You are, you are so close to, to insinuating that it may not even be Frank Welker. It's definitely Frank Welker. <laughs> well, it no, doesn't sound it, like it sounds like him just doing his regular speaking voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't I guess, it? I, mean, I guess oh, I could. In the episode that I saw, maybe he. Maybe and the other problem I have is it. they have Soundwave now. They have Frank Welker, and, and they can't do the vocoding voice. He doesn't talk. I, I don't understand that. 
Because I'm, I'm telling you, he doesn't talk. No, I'm, he doesn't talk. So, I'm telling you, the reason is they are they are locked in with certain things to the movies, like Hasbro. And it's Hasbro. It's not yeah. Paramount. It's Hasbro. They're ruining it. You know, it's when you watch like if uh, Esmond, you probably have the DVDs from Shell Factory now. Yes. All right. You're like in uh, so many places there. They'll say, you know, we wanted to do this, but Hasbro. We were yeah. Going, well, not even there. Actually, the guy who did those for Shout Factory and a lot of those, uh, I forget his name, Brian something or other, Brian Wade or something. He yeah. was like the producer. Yeah. And on the Shout Factory forum, he kept, he, I was talking, he was talking to fans for a long time about it. He, that's actually how he found a lot of the G.I. Joe PSAs and all. Yeah, it was weird stuff. Like they couldn't mention Marvel. As the comic company. Right. It's weird, bizarre but, things that Hasbro's trying to, I guess, reshape or rewrite history with. Or I, I can understand not having clearances to be able yeah. to do things, but come on, you're Hasbro. How much? Yes, and that was like when, when they came out with the um, the Transformers um, Headmasters, I guess. The yes. quote, fourth season in Japan. They, well, they released all the Japanese Transformers series um, after the you know original series, Shout Factory put it on one you know DVD set, but it's either in J- original Japanese or it's these horrible English dubs that were oh, done God. in the eighties, love- which are I love those terrible. <laughs> those um, are really bad. They're really bad, but um, it's so a lot of the people were asking him like, hey, you know, hey, because there's there's I don't know if you've seen this, and I've mentioned it on this show, but there's different groups who redub some of these Japanese episodes. Yes. And they get some actual professional people to work on it in here and there and and uh, like the one they did was really incredible. They did that the cartoon they redid of the Scramble City. Did you see that one? Yes. That was fantastic and all the voices were really good, most of them. But that was real short. So like they were they offered up and they actually took I think the first episode of the Headmasters, and they got like a lot of, including some actual voice actors. They got them all. They did. They redid all the uh, special effects, the music. So it had like you know Hasbro era, you know music, whatever. Uh, I mean Sunbow music. They redid it all. They sent it to this guy, and they were like, you know, can we maybe do like a few episodes? Obviously, there weren't going to be time to do all of them, but a few or something. And he took it. He sent it to Hasbro. And Hasbro was just like, no. N-O. Because they didn't want any reference, any link that that to their Transformers, basically. So what the guy was saying was, if we redubbed it and called the guy Optimus Prime or whatever or something like that, Hasbro was extremely, extremely, um, um, for some reason scared or overly cautious or something that somehow somebody would buy these this dvd set some person would buy it for their kids <laughs> yeah. they would get it they would watch it and this would somehow confuse them with the transformers that are currently part of their their thing the movies transformers prime so i'm like well why re-release generation one cartoons at all then because they have nothing to do with this it makes no sense. It, it makes no sense, but they were... When corporate people get yeah, involved idiots. in any kind of project, not just this... Yeah, they're just... Things just don't make sense, and things don't get done. All right, so that's Transformers Prime. Bullet number one. <laughs> Rapid fire. Ugh. 
All right, the next one, because I, I, I'm only mentioning this because I've talked to Esteban before and he mentioned he watches, is the new Thundercats. Ho! Okay, I got like a, uh, I guess a couple things. This ain't going to fit in the rapid fire format. But <laughs> that show started out fantastically. Yes. I loved that show. Yes. I, it was and you don't going, like it anymore? Okay, they came back from the break, yeah. you know, from that gigantic hiatus. And it, it just really seems to me to have lost its, uh, uh, what what made it interesting and, and, and fun and exciting to me was that it had, um, it seemed to have stakes, you know, yeah. unlike Transformers Prime, where getting out of a cave is a big happens. deal. <laughs> you know, it, this, this one actually felt like it, it was epic of a... a right. They throw around the Lord of the Rings kind of references. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I could kind of, I could really see that this this story of this this uh, lost prince uh, going off to to find his destiny or re recapture. Or well, it was a more serious theat. What I always said, what I always said to people is, it was a more serious theatrical version of the original show, which was hokey. Oh yeah, that, you know yeah, this that show was has. Like it's redrawn really. I love the way that they draw it. It's it's very it's it's very like proportional the way they draw it. I love that. Um, you know, it's I love actually, it's the artwork is great. The back the music is tremendous because it's actual composers and it feels like it fits it. it yes, really, the yeah, music it, is terrific. It's actual orchestra music. The it, stories you know, to me were great from yes. episode to episode, and uh, I I occasionally dip in or or. or or peek in on Thundercats fandom, <laughs> although that's a really terrible idea, oh and it's not something you should do if you love something that's going on. Because of course, fandoms exist to hate whatever yeah, it is <laughs> that they're yeah that they're supposed to be loving, and everything that the fandom hates about that show, I really love. Nah. Like the what they consider filler episodes. Yeah. I know this, that one show where the Thundercats go to the to the land of the plant people that nah. only live their whole yes. lives live. Or live yes, within like yes, twenty four yes. hours. I thought yes. that was so deep. Yes, so great. So just a and and the fans were just like in this uproar about oh these filler episodes are horrible. Well, even, the, even the elephant, you know, they went to the the elephant. Oh yeah, the were... elephant people. <laughs> That's such a and what what I loved. Okay, this is again this is pre break. Mm. It seemed like everything always paid off. Right. Okay, there was a reason for for the the characters to be the way they were wherever. Yeah. Or whatever, and and the elephants you knew would eventually have to like you know save themselves, and yeah. and that all comes to pass, and that that's fantastic, and everything just it was great. It it had a point, and uh, some of the characters were were rather tragic and all, mm. but they I think they got a little bit too wound up in in this love triangle idea, which I don't think is necessary at all. Lionel, Lionel, Tigero, and yeah, Tigre, and, yeah. and Chitara. Well, yeah, but now Lionel has his own girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and here's the other thing: the only thing I really don't like about the the show, Snarf doesn't talk. No, oh. I think that's great. No, How do you have a talking snarf? snarf. How do you <laughs> snarf, snarf, snarf? Don't you kind of occasionally kind of hear something like that coming out of him? But he's not saying snarf. He's not. No, it's not deliberate. One of the okay, and then here's some of the beef I have with the post-break shows. One thing that I was really looking forward to was the background, the fleshing out of Wiley Kid and Wiley Cat. 
That was a good episode. No, that, ep- that episode just so disappointed me. So right. disappointing. Well, what about okay. the Tigra backstory of, of the Tiger people who became like that. ghosts? That was good. Okay, yeah, that was good. Uh, the stuff they did with um, where Panthro was, that was good. Panthro right. raising his arms. Was good. I, I love almost everything before the break. Well, I mean, the, the best part was the, the back. Well, actually, they have a good backstory with Mumra on the spaceship. It's not, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, the tiger shark cameo was, was interesting. But I do love every time they have a cameo and they can bring back good old Larry Kenny as, uh, as the Claudus, the lion uh, father. Oh, my God. Larry Kenny. <laughs> Larry Kenny. And did I ever tell you? I don't think I've ever told I got off totally on the wrong foot with Larry Kenny and kind what? of aggravated him and what? almost made him cry. Wait, what? Oh, jeez. Well, Wait, you made him cry? Uh, he was really torn up. He <laughs> didn't cry, but he, About you could what? See, his feelings were very hurt. I, <sighs> okay, so uh, there's a convention last year, I believe it was. Okay, I got to meet Larry Kenny because he's there at the table, yeah. and you go up to him, and he's there with his son. And at first, when I first introduced myself, it was a typical fan interaction. We we're having a great time to say, hey, uh, you, you're Lion-O and Count Chocula and all those things or whoever he's ever been. And I had listened to other podcasts he'd done before, so there was stuff to talk about. And I knew this was before the Thundercats had come out. Yeah. So we had some pre-Thundercats stuff to talk about. So at his table, I was a superstar fan. Okay. Mm. But then later on in his panel, he does a panel. Yeah. And... Again, it's full of kind of like those 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 fans that are just there to you know find a place to sit between <laughs> their their Pokemon uh, uh, cosplay photo idiots. shoots or whatever it is they do. Yeah. And so it's a it's a voice actor panel with a with a guy who pretty much is is a legend and the swine sitting in the seats, you know, not hmm. really able to appreciate him. And so I thought, okay, well, when it comes to Q and A time. How about we ask him some good questions instead of those, those enduring the horrid long silences <laughs> where nobody has a question, yeah. or asking or hearing somebody ask him to like order food at the at the drive-through of McDonald's or whatever in Lionel's voice. <laughs> I was like, and there were certain things I had been. I would like a egg McMuffin. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. <laughs> it's just at the time. I've been for the longest time. I've been researching uh, this project I have in, for my podcast about the the consumer backlash against uh, product tie-in cartoons of the 1980s. Yeah. And every show seemed to have somebody that hated something about it. There was always something to complain about. Not just if, if they were war toys or or too violent or yeah. they were sexist or whatever. And so we have this atrociously, horrendously boring panel going on with Larry Kenny, who, who's like the opportunity to talk to Larry Kenny, you know, I felt was just being wasted. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? Nobody's asking anything good. How about I ask him if he was, you know, as a voice actor, if he was aware of any of the flack the Thundercats were getting from uh, consumer activist groups who felt like it was uh, it was it had occult overtones you know, or that it it was pretty much a, a pay-to-be-aired sort of scam, some people called it, where the the a show that was being paid for, uh, bought and sold by the toy companies, you know, to, to be 
essentially a 30-minute commercial, and they, they were colluding with... Uh, stations by trying to pay stations off in order to get it on the air. All well, all these all these accusations against uh, Thundercats. I I asked him. Well, was he aware of of that kind of of thing? And that was, I think, the question that just kind of just ruined any goodwill I had built up with him. Uh. Because then he felt it wasn't he wasn't um, antagonistic, but it just from from that point on, any conversation I had with him, he felt. Like I was, um, I was trying to, like, uh, yeah, like provoke do an investigative him or expose, yeah. Or, yeah, or provoke exactly, exactly. And so I couldn't, I, I couldn't undo the damage. And so he's, he, he would respond from a, a point of view that he felt he was very proud of the things he had did, and he understood some people kind of took it the wrong way. But he, it wasn't brainwashing children, and it wasn't. And it, so he got defensive, is essentially what it was. And so then I, I tried later on when nobody else was asking questions, and this is it was so in, horribly uncomfortable this this whole period. But I don't know. I just kept going. I just I thought I could save myself with the next question. And there was a point at which I asked, well, have have you done or have you ever done uh, voices, you know, for the toys? Has anybody asked you for, to do? Voices for like a talking lion o. I was thinking maybe that was a good one. Like maybe there will be a talking lion o with Larry Kenny's voice in the upcoming uh, toy line. And then he responded. It was so sad. He just he just looked so so. I don't know. Just defeated and and depressed when he responded. He said, "Well, I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, with necessarily having toy tie-ins for a show." And I, I was, I'd be happy to do that kind of. And I'm like, I'm not asking you about the morality of of your voice being in a little lion doll. I'm just asking, did somebody do it? You know, maybe maybe there's going to be some cool new uh, lion coming out. But no, it just. That that point on, there was nothing I could say that could undo his perception of me that I was some kind of a rabid anti Thundercats uh, sort and, of a. And were you the only person asking questions at that point? For a little, yeah, for a little time. <laughs> oh, jeez, it was it was so uncomfortable. But nobody else had anything. Yeah. <laughs> and what what gets me is some guy in the audience had a camera. He had a camera that he was videotaping the whole exchange. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be on YouTube. Yeah. I'm going to be on you. And every time that I talked, the guy swung the camera over right in my face. Ah. To hear. And I'm like, oh, this is so going to be up somewhere. And never posted it. Who, who made Larry Kenny feel bad or that made Larry Kenny cry or something. But it hasn't surfaced. Ah, I hate that. I would love I would love for it to. It would be fantastic. It's like when I, I say this all the time, when I go to like the the book signings and all, and they won't let you take the picture with the person. Yeah. And I have to, like, finagle away with, like, somebody back in the line. Sometimes I can't. Yeah, and but what, I see the problem you. is, here's the problem. They say, oh, well, you can take a picture from back there, just not when you're going up to sign it. So what you know what's happening is, because I see, because <laughs> I do it, you're taking a picture of the guy, the celebrity, as he's signing the book, when somebody else is up there getting it signed. So there's all these people I go to meet, People are taking pictures of me with that person yeah. signing the book. Where are they? Where are my... Yeah, yeah. No, because nobody uses Flickr. You got to pay. So uh, the, probably <laughs> it's all over Facebook. And it, the reason I hate fa Facebook is I'm like, like MySpace or some of the friends that are the old stuff. It's locked down so much. You can't see anything. Yeah. Google searches aren't... too much privacy. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, so you're wondering, on whose hard drive are you out there somewhere? <laughs> so, in- I don't know, somebody's camera took the picture, and I am on this picture, and they're saying, look at this idiot getting the book signed by William Shatner, and that's it, and, but I'll never see it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, the, well, Larry Kenny's coming back. He'll be here uh, in, in Miami in this convention at the end of the month. Was any good. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to what? Set the record wear a dis- straight. Wear a or... disguise or something. <laughs> yeah, wear... <laughs> wear a wig. And no, he can wear this beard hat. Oh, God. the beardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he knows what it is. Oh, we sent you the link, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can wear the beardo, where I'll... it's got the fake beard I'll wear part that. of this knit hat. Yeah, I feel awesome. Like, I almost feel like I have to do that with Greg Berger, too. What? After I interviewed him, he said, uh, yeah, go ahead and just email me. Let me know when it's up and everything. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. But then you get on the Internet, aside from Facebook, Greg Berger has no contact information anywhere. Oh, he didn't give you his email? No, he doesn't have an email address. Oh, what a dummy. So Facebook message him. He realized, oh, but that's the problem because I'm stupid. You know what happened accidentally? Uh, I unfriended him. (laughs) <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, it felt to me like it wasn't an authentic friendship, because what happened was, okay, early on in my Facebook. My God, you're you're like the you're like an insecticon with these people. It's uh, it's like what happened was I I had a friend who's like a social networking wizard, okay, and. When I friended him, he somehow, he's like a Facebook master. Yeah. And once I was his friend, he sent out alerts to pretty much everybody who was his friend. Right. And somehow, all those people started sending me friend requests. Right. Okay? Except that's not really what they were intending to do. The way Facebook was set up, it's, it looked to them like I was asking them to be my friend. Because right. it was kind of being done through an intermediary. My my main friend is what it was. He was sending out invitations to these people to be my friend without me knowing. And so I know this is complicated, but I thought I thought Greg Berger came from out of the blue and wanted to be my friend. Okay? <laughs> then when I understood the situation that it was just because of my 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 real friend yeah. sending out invites that now I was part of his circle. Well, then I felt, well, Greg Berger didn't really want to be my friend. He he, he was just so being what? nice. <laughs> so what happened was I unfriended him. Oh, what because a... I was like, oh, he You're doesn't authentically want to be my friend. You have he too was much tricked. honor. He was tricked by my, my other real friend. No. And so, so then we do the interview, and and then I realize I'm in this situation where now we're actually friends in real life. And... I don't have any way to talk to him unless I try to friend him. But then he's going to know that I unfriended him the first time. No, he's not. He's not even going to remember. He's probably on Facebook. I'll tell you what he's going to remember, though. He's going to remember that I'm the guy that interviewed him last year, never got back to him, and now I'm there again. Well, he probably, first of all, he probably didn't even remember interview, the interview itself, so... Oh, you know, that's what I would hope. I would really hope because he does a lot of conventions. But just really, could you send me the Beardo link again? Because I think for the Larry Kenny Greg Berger aisle of the show, I'm going to really have to be using some kind of a disguise. 
It's a beardoware.ca, Canada. <laughs> Beardo. Beardoware? Alright, okay, so then moving on, lastly, with the cartoons. Um, did you see this? Have you seen this new Tron cartoon? No, I haven't seen that, sorry. Alright, don't watch it, it stinks. <laughs> really? The Tron Uprising? Well, here, the problem I had, here's my, my thing, it's only, there's only been a couple episodes on but my thing is, the plot is basically Tron. Which Tron? Tron, like the first, the, you know, The guy Tron. gets sucked into a printer. What time, well, what time, uh, what uh, era, so we're... It, we're it takes place post between the movies. Pre- no, it takes place between the movies. The big okay. thing about it is that it's right when the, um, the evil Jeff Bridges guy takes over. Yes. Barney. <laughs> no, not Barney. <laughs> not me, Barney. Uh, no, it's um, what the heck was the guy? Clue, right? Did you see the Neutron movie? Yeah, I saw the Neutron movie. Right. Yeah. So it's the guy Clue. He takes over, and Tron, played in this show by Bruce Boxleitner, um, he has to. He's kind of become goes under disguise or something as the bad guy or something. He can't can't admit that he's really still Tron. So he enlists this kid to help him as the Neutron. Is his disguise... The Neutron? Um, like, uh, is there a Protron? <laughs> no, I, just made, I just made that up. But Is his disguise a Beardo hat? No. <laughs> Beardo hat. I didn't Actually, think... Reginald Vell Johnson is one of the uh, voices. What? Yes. Oh, now, now I have to you, watch you, it. You won't watch it. Okay, but the character of Clue... Yeah. I didn't really feel like he was oppressing anybody, though, or really taking anything over. He killed everybody. Well, in the end. Yeah, but killing isn't oppressing. No, in but he did. End. No, but in the backstory, he did. Okay. But the society he had built was was not a, a dictatorship. Yeah, but then he became the dictator. I don't know. It's well, a long story. I mean, I thought he was doing pretty... I mean, I can understand where Clue... Kind of fell, I, uh, but I don't think that he was as uh, as much of an overlord as he's made out to be in in that other movie. Well, I, just, I think on the show, I think there's another guy who like is a minion of his who's the bad guy. That would make sense. That would make sense to me. But in is, any case, is it like Blues Clues. <laughs> so, in any case, the problem, the main problem I have with it is it just seems repetitive. Number one, but I don't. I don't like the way that they draw the characters on. I, I, it must be a Disney thing. I just don't like the way that they draw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it looks like like it looks like Tron in terms of the the imaging imagery and the and the kind of neon stuff and all that. But the way they draw the characters, it's that like they're all like tall and skinny, and they all look like f- they were from. Um, you know, like, Renegades. Yeah. Or, Transformers <laughs> animated. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now. Did they explain Jeff Bridges' exile? Is he a character at all? Or is this primarily the story of Clue and Tron? I, I think in the first, I think they had like a preview episode, you know, that was like, I don't know, 15 minutes long or something. And I think in that they showed some backstory where they showed his face, but I don't, I don't, they, yeah. I mean, he didn't it's, voice it. It's very difficult dealing with prequels because you can't upset the the established status of the the right. next thing, you know. So they're not going to be able to do much with Clue, and they're not going to be able to tell much story with uh, Jeff Bridges. So it, it's they really can't please. A well, lot they of might people. if they don't use his voice. They use somebody else's voice. Mm, it'll. 
so how far that. into it are they? How many episodes? Um, I think this weekend was like a two-parter, that, but those were like the first official episodes. What's the music like? It's fine. Do you I get really, the, the feeling I, this is a kid's show? Or no, a no, Tron fans show. It's like young adults. Young, okay, that's good. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like the um, like the Batman uh, cartoons that have been around and all. You know, Are there toys? Huh? I haven't seen toys of this. I, I have. Not, I wouldn't be able to tell you one mm. way or the other. Oh, there, there was. All right, so getting rid of the cartoons. One last thing I was going to ask you about toys. Since we have you on here, I'm not good at new toys. Well, these are new. These are new old toys. Okay, okay, I might because I saw it. Old, or old new toys. Well, you remember on our <laughs> show we were talking about the Voltron ones that they're re-releasing. Oh yeah, and then you found out that they're actually garbage. They're, yeah, they're not. Well, okay, they're yeah, they're really cheap for the price. Yeah, wow. The price is the problem. What you get for the price? I think getting, even cheap, they would be bad. Well, it's going to be hard to argue that a two-foot-tall Voltron is not cool. Hmm. Okay? So a two-foot-tall Voltron is a fantastic idea. And it's – it's well, I'm not going to say it's not been done before because there was recently a $250 um, <laughs> plastic, you know, non-lionable uh, two-foot-tall Voltron. But <sighs> So it's just – the gimmick of it is, is fun and yeah. – the problem is the price of it is for like a really high end, well executed toy. Yeah, like sixty dollars. The the problem is that it's not delivering on on that level. It's not catering to the the collectors that would pay that much money for it. Yeah. It's catering to their kids. So right. it's essentially this really big, cool, goofy uh, toy for kids yeah. at an adult collector price. Now. Is it made out of rubber? It's maybe slightly better than very hard rubber. Very cold, hard rubber. Because I don't know if you remember, this was many episodes ago, I talked about, I always wanted the original, you know, back in the 1980s, the original metal Voltron Lions. They looked so cool. Yeah, yeah I had them. And my, listen, my parents bought me tons of toys. I had Transformers, GoBots, He-Man, I had all that stuff. They never ended up buying me the Voltron mm. Lions. The only Voltron I got, it was like this four-inch tall rubber <laughs> Voltron. Yeah. The, the, I uh, had, and I had posted a picture on your blog in the comments of it. I got a Voltron back then. I had the, I had the actual <laughs> original Panos Place Voltron. You know, the five lions that would combine into the one thing. And There's, the castle. There's actually a couple of uh, Lion Voltron sets from back then. Really? The, the Panache Place was the only one that had action figures that could interact with it. Yes, yeah, I had the ones. The action figures would fit into it. Yes. yes. Now, this new one is like a tribute to that toy. What people wanted, though, was a tribute to the, the Matchbox, the die-cast, heavy, um, original Voltron that was uh, marketed as Go Lion in the Go Daikin line. But right. with blah blah blah, so on and so forth. Yeah. So you had you had Panache Place Voltron. Yeah, I had the ones where the the, the figures went into the the lines, and then you had the castle. Yes. What I wound up having a lot of times was I had older cousins, and they would get the stuff. They would get like He Man, or GI Joe. They would get like the first issues, the first series. 
then I would come along and I'd start getting them and I'd start playing with them at their house. But they were already like kind of a lot. There was two cousins, but they were like right at the cusp where they were not going to play with this stuff anymore. Right. Lucky. Shortly after they got them. And so they used to give them to like I used to get some Lucky. of them from them. But they were, they were beat be. up. A lot of them were beat up. But I had, a, so I had like some G.I. Joe and Transformers and He-Man and, and all those. And, but most, I didn't have any Thundercats, but most of those, the ones that I had were beat up. A lot of them were broken. Just from, not me, but from other people playing with them, whatever. The only toys that I had that I would not let anybody get near were the Voltron. The lions and the castle, I would not let any other kid get near them. Because they were, to me, they were too cool, too intricate in a sense. And they probably would have broken too easily. So nobody got near them. And so they were in perfect shape. Perfect. You know where this is heading. Yeah, because the question is, the, the $50 million question, dollar question is, where is it now? If, if, uh, you, if you had it they were and in you kept good perfect. care of it. With all the pieces, where is it now? <laughs> what happened was, as I got older, my mother took them and put them in the attic, in a box, okay, a car, you know, cardboard box, whatever, and my He-Man stuff. She took those and put them in the attic because I didn't play I didn't play with them as much anymore. The Transformers, the GI Joes, they were in with other toys. They were all destroyed, so they they were in the basement still. So, like years, several years later. We had some kind of silverfish infestation in our oh. attic. Now, silverfish, for the people that don't know, they eat paper. They don't eat plastic toys. So basically, she figured <laughs> out, well, they're in all the boxes because they were in a couple of boxes of ancient encyclopedias from like the 30s that the people had left in the house. And they were in there, so we threw those out. And then she just was like, she just threw the rest out. So off went all of a He-Man... But the most important, all the Voltron stuff into the trash. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, now, of course, if I had that stuff now, probably worth like $300. So, Esteban, the Voltron cartoon that we got here in America, which was the Lion Force Voltron, which here in America was just called Voltron. Yes. Was it you who was telling us that that was actually like a... Uh, edited from several different Japanese animation cartoons, like like the well, yeah, it's it's kind of obvious. The villains were edited in. No, no, no. Well, okay, Voltron is very complicated. Well, what happened is it's essentially made up of two shows: the the vehicle Voltron and the Lion Voltron were two different shows. Okay, two separate things. They spliced them in together, and when it comes to the air dates, you can see Vehicle Force originally showed. Uh, concurrently with the lion team they were kind of sprinkled in there that first season but the lion force episodes made up the majority of the 1984 voltron tv show and then in they america. went in america yeah yeah and then they went heavy into uh vehicle vehicle voltron okay but what ended up happening was when they went and when they switched over to to main mainly vehicle voltron the ratings fell yeah, it was so, terrible. Okay, now both of these shows were already done and finished in Japan. Okay? Completely uh, finished, right. done. And then it's much like what happened to Robotech. It was three separate shows that were dubbed together to make an overall arcing story. Whether or not it was successful is up to the fans to debate. Well, Voltron did this 
what ended up happening though is was unprecedented at the time. They saw the ratings dip. So then the Americans said, okay, we need uh, a third season. And their original plan was to bring in another cartoon unrelated to the first two. But when they saw they did really well with Lion Force and then Vehicle Force just sucked in the ratings, <laughs> they they got the original animators in Japan back together. They <laughs> they reformed the crew that did a Go Lion. And they they commissioned a third season of of well a third Voltron season that was a continuation of the the Lion Force episodes, except it was written in the U.S. Mm. So Voltron has this weird distinction of being not just a, a a blended together show, but also the first instance of a show that was finished and done being resurrected just so that the American audiences could could fill out its uh its run. Wow. Uh all right, so and then what I was gonna ask was you know, all the Transformers that all these classics and stuff. Are you into those or uh there's well yeah, there's fantastic I mean as a kid I was I think Rob made a no was it which one of you was it that um made the the observation that when you were a kid in the eighties it, it wasn't as if every 80s kid grew up with this core group of Transformers. It was a very specific window in time. That yeah, it was you, probably me. You grew up with um, Optimus Prime and that crew, and then everybody else pretty much got shafted with Rodimus and everybody, so on and so <laughs> forth. Now, Rodimus, there's not... I mean, Rodimus and Ultra Magnus and all of them in the 1986 season are, are not bad. They're great ideas. There's some great characters. But in terms of the toy execution... 1986 was that point where I started falling off the Transformer bandwagon because the toys were just awful. Yeah, well, and they were cheap. Going into my, my pre-teens at the time, I guess 86 would have me at 12 and 13. I was still nerdy enough that I, I liked the, the things and wasn't ashamed to be uh, still buying them or into them. It's just the there, there's sort of this this gulf, this, dis, this disparate kind of um, canyon of quality or at least aesthetic between the toys that came out in 84 and 85 and everything after that. Absolutely. So I felt that uh, not just us as fans, but the characters themselves got shafted by the toys that came out in uh, 86 and beyond. But that's just me, okay? This is just how I am. This resurgence, this uh, this reinvigorated reimagining of, of the Transformer toy line is... Yeah, is isn't something that I need for my 1984 and 85 toys because I'm happy with them to this day. I I don't in the million years care to replace my original Optimus Prime and and that 84 and 85 cast. No, ratchet. But, <laughs> but the 1986 and and after that, guys, after that uh, cast, I am so excited to be you know living right now where they're giving those guys who who didn't really get good toy representations a really nice uh, uh treatment in terms of uh, what's what's being released and they're it's just they're they're doing characters that never even got toys stuff from the comics and things right and it's not like a friend of ours is the one that who you know was showing these to me yeah he's got a picture god he's he bought all these things uh he's also buying some of the gi joe like classics that they have 
Um, but some of these are not even like Hasbro made. Some of these are some kind of like third party. Oh, the, the <laughs> third like the, party they have, like, stuff. Like the Quintessons and the uh, yeah. Unicron. Okay, yeah, I understand. Like I understand that. That seems to be that people get really worked up about that. I mean, I know, but it looked exact. Yeah, they're really well executed. But then on one side, you have sort of uh, the Hasbro faithful yeah. who who believes that this level of copyright infringement is not uh, something that we as fans should support because it's not coming from Hasbro. Of course, Hasbro's not happy with it. No. They they don't in any way condone <clears throat> the buying or selling of that. Yeah, then they should make them, and they should yeah, make more of them. Duh. Well, the problem like, make their own. The problem is like our friend friend of ours was talking about it to me. You know, many times he says, you know, you go to the Toys R Us, and they're not on the shelves. And he says basically like he he winds up talking to the managers because he's like when the managers get these like these classics in, these classic series, they just take them off the shelf because the collectors will come in, and if there's any like shelfware, they won't buy them, and they'll like argue with them. Or they'll try and buy all of them at once and argue with them. So they have to, like, hide them in the <laughs> manager's office. Oh, well, that's... that's uh, I, I don't that's know. how they are, though. I don't know how epidemic or how representative that is of the entire country. In New I know, Jersey. I know it does seem like some areas have a higher concentration of what would be, I guess, toy scalpers than other areas. Yeah, but you see, you've got to see how much these toys go for on eBay. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of the secondary market on on the Hasbro classics and on the the third party stuff, and there well, it, there is this demand for them. It, well, one of the things he was showing me was there was a, some I forget the website, but there was one of the, these websites because I I was talking to him. I I was like, I liked because he he shows a lot of the pictures to me of all the different poses and how to transform. I mean, that's the big thing about them is now these things look like the cartoon robot modes. They look like the cartoon vehicle modes. And it can actually transform. Whereas way back when, they were terrible. Yeah. So he shows me all these poses, and I'm like, you know, this is... I keep telling him, I'm like, this is really cool that you're showing me this. On the one hand. On the other hand, I can't really get into this. Yeah. if I get into it, I'll want to buy them, and then I won't stop. <laughs> and the, the biggest problem is there's so much money for them. And so what he showed me was there's actually... There's like... This is not even third party, but there's literally like Hong Kong Chinese knockoffs of these classics, and they really don't look all that <laughs> dissimilar. Yeah, well, I, I'm kind of like I say, I, you buy what you like, and what I like is just a very small subset of what's being put out there. Now everybody's in love, and and rightfully so, they're in love with the the '84 and '85 guys, and so those toys are constantly going to be. Reenvisioned, reimagined, recreated, knocked off over and over ad infinitum. There's like three or four different devastators by now, both from you know Hasbro and all these third party. Well, and places. there's you know, he has the one the third party. You, there's these accessories you put in the devastator, and one of them is some kind of battery powered thing where the light, like this green light, shoots <laughs> yeah. out of the eye, like on the cartoon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which I think only happened once on the cartoon. So it's like. For me, again, like I say, I'm very happy. I'm content with my childhood. I'm content with what I had when, when I was a kid. And if Hasbro puts out uh, a robot that I thought wasn't uh, – well, got shafted in 86 or beyond, I'll pick that up for 10 bucks, 12 bucks, however much it costs. But I'm 38 years old now. I really can't uh, – 
justify or don't really I'm not as passionate about you know a robot to to pay the three hundred four hundred dollars for the third party underground garage guy or wherever uh, the Chinese bootlegger that's making his own molds I don't really care about it that much I mean that's not nostalgia to me the the ultimate uh, representation of the character however it is embodied in plastic now 25 years later that didn't really you know i mean wh- where was this 25 years ago that that would have been great back then but right now i'm i'm happy with my memories and i'm happy with my really beat up world's most destroyed devastator that's held together with rubber bands and and uh clay that i have because it's mine and it was my first one and of course i bought like real devastators since I think in in 88 I bought a Devastator from a kid at at a garage sale down the block for 6 bucks and that one was in great shape and I have that to this day. And so that's good. Everything I had, you know, I I still do and so I don't really feel the need to replace it. That is people who love the representations of these of these characters on the shows, they're never going to be satisfied. There's always going to be something somebody makes that's going to be a little bit closer to the cartoon than the last thing that somebody made or that Hasbro made. There's always going to be some third-party add-on or some third-party whole entirely new figure. Or there's always going to be Hasbro reimagining something, like they're redoing Bruticus for this uh, new Transformer comic book, I mean comic uh, video game coming out. Mm. Where Greg Berger is doing the voice of Grimlock again. Mm. (laughs) There's always going to be Hasbro rehashings. There's always, but you know, and and you're going to be. There's always going to be something to buy if you're always chasing after that that ultimate representation of of a Transformer that you grew up with in in eighty four, eighty five, or eighty six. But there's there's a lot to be said for just being satisfied and you know and just saying you know, look, I'm. That that's why I like having uh, friends who are into the same things as I am, but that are much older than me, so that I can look at them and say, "Okay, now, do I want? Is that what I want? Is that my future? You know, <laughs> is that what I want to be? You know, still in my uh, mid to late forties, doing be a Transformer fan. Good and point. So you know, it, it, there's a lot to be said for being happy. It, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> well, that's true. And there's a lot to be said for being cheap and just settling for what Hasbro does. Because eventually, given enough time, Hasbro themselves will come out and do things that are actually pretty impressive. Right now, there's going to be an Optimus Prime coming out later on this year at Toys R Us. That is uh, the the latest uh, masterpiece Optimus from, from Japan. Except released over here, and it's wonderful. It is beautiful. It's the ultimate Optimus Prime. It's the greatest Optimus Prime figure ever made. It's the masterpiece. And, masterpiece. and people will murder for it. So. It is yes, and and it's probably gonna retail in the neighborhood of uh, eighty to a hundred dollars at Toys R Us, and people will buy it. Oh and, yeah, and it'll be wonderful, and it'll make a lot of money, and there will be no third party that that could touch it. And it's a beautiful toy and everything, but yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with uh with my old sucky well, one that everybody says looks like an orangutan yeah. from '84 because <laughs> well, the happy arms are too like, too long. <laughs> All right, one last thing. We're gonna wrap up. Obviously, everybody knows Transformers is the biggest, hugest robot toy franchise ever. In America, yeah. In America. In ten seconds, what would you say? Just to give some of the other ones credit, name like one or two, maybe three, that it's like, these aren't the Transformers, but these are awesome too. 
Okay, well, just really easily, GoBots, of course. Everybody uh, doesn't love GoBots, but only because they were in, in the shadow of the Transformers. But there were some really great designs in the GoBots line that were uh, durable and didn't break. Like yeah. those, those the 84 toys in the Transformer line were not toys for kids. You, no. could not, uh, you could not be, I'd say, even under seven years old and expect to have like a Prowl or a Mirage or, or one of the other notoriously fragile ones withstand any sort of uh, rough play. And they'd have a million accessories and all easily lost. But the GoBots were not like that. The GoBots were made for kids and they were a lot of fun. They were at a good size. They were durable. And it's hard to lose accessories when you don't have any to lose. It's just the GoBots were a great idea. They were cheap. They were affordable. They were good looking. And so what if they weren't number one in terms of uh, revenue generated? They were, for a good portion of 1984, number one in terms of sheer volume. So everybody had them. I don't understand where all the GoBot hate comes from. And then, of course, uh, RoboForce. RoboForce was robots that you know didn't care if they didn't turn into something else and they had a fantastic gimmick that's never been again repeated or rivaled to this day the suction cup butts that, yeah. that's a whole nother level a, a whole nother dimension of playing with and interacting with robots that should have gone a lot longer it really should have but you know well it's just fads and trends are such that uh when you're in third place in a genre that itself isn't uh much better than like third or fourth place in the overall action figure line. And that's the truth. Toy robots were not this huge thing throughout the entire 80s. I mean, I don't know, everybody kind of gets that impression that Transformers are at this level and they always have been. That That's not true. It was right. maybe a flash in the pan. In like 85, they were really popular and it was all downhill from there. G.I. Joe and He-Man were where everybody's hearts really were. The robots were just kind of like a, a one-year sort of a late 84 into mid 85 sort of phenomenon Voltron Transformers kind of rode the wave then uh I I really love and I've come to appreciate stuff in in Robotech but you you could talk uh, a long time about that line and and not even scratch the surface of what that had anything with uh anything with robots that didn't transform it gets looked down upon. That's that's the tragedy of of American life, you know, of growing up as a kid in the '80s and living this, uh, even in the the '90s and 2000s, living the what I call the homogenized Hasbro childhood, where if it doesn't do what Hasbro says a robot should do, then then nobody likes it. But there's so much more out there to experience beyond things that just turn into cars or dinosaurs. And so yeah, it's it's GoBots, uh, RoboForce, Zoids. The little wind-up dinosaur skeleton robots? Yeah, Just, yeah, I remember those. Oh, come on. You know, how is that not an awesome idea? How is that not one of the greatest things ever, ever, ever made? And then again, anything from Tomy. Uh, the Zoids were first, and then came the Star Ears, and, and they did stuff with Robostrucks. And it was just mechanical dinosaurs. It's fantastic. It's a great idea. It's it's a wonderful idea, and just because it doesn't turn to a humanoid robot doesn't mean that it wasn't great, and so on and so forth. All these other millions of other uh, ideas. Well, n nor were they voiced by the well, uh, classic voice actor, right? <laughs> yeah, they they don't have the Sunbow connection. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Esteban, thank you so much again. 
for being on the Paunch Stevenson Show. Your website is pleasesavemerobots.blogspot.com, the roboplastic apocalypse. And thank you for being part of the Paunch Stevenson Show 200th, going into 201, possibly 202. <laughs> wow episode celebration we really appreciate it <laughs> oh, and, thank and you, you are because... a great guest and you're welcome back anytime yeah above all that bill anything that i that i do on the internet i i am always the paunch stevenson show fan and man to to have been there not not from the beginning because i didn't know what you guys were doing from like the first maybe 20 or 30 episodes but just to 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 jump on this ship uh, when I did and have it be uh, such a, a recurring, regular part of my life, it's something I know you guys will never understand. You'll never see, you'll never um, appreciate what you do from the fan side. I guess that's just kind of the, the way it is, the, the curse of being a content producer. But it's been one hell of a ride, you know, 200 episodes. We'll have, we'll have to make up a shirt, send it to you. That, <laughs> yeah, that's days. what you need to do now. you got to merchandise, expand no. the paunch empire. Get it broaden your 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 base and 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 get more uh, active. Like I say, get more contributing, participating uh, listeners. Well, we're on it. We'll work on it. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited also to be reading all the the comments and the contributions from other listeners. It's it's wild. It's like I say, it it's strange to go from the one guy posting uh, a comment every now and then. Well, besides everyone who has ever posted on the Steven Seagal page, <laughs> I mean, because that I think that's the record for the most uh, paunch uh, interaction there <laughs> from, from the audience. Absolutely, yeah, it's weird to go from from that and and feel kind of alone sometimes to to this where where you are right now and and get the feeling that there's this audience that you guys are building and I hope you do get a uh, a lot more uh, listeners a lot more success and and above all that you still like what you're doing you to 200 more episodes from now. Uh, we we love it and and as you know when you listen to the episodes we we crack each other up and we're always laughing and doing stupid voices and yeah we, and never running out of things that are terrible to talk about. Exactly. We love it. So, Esteban, thanks again. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being the Paunch Stevenson Show. Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. You do. Do you use Audacity or what do you? No, use we use to? Gold Wave, but okay. Wow, Gold Wave. <laughs> Jeez, that's been around for a long time. <laughs> hey, it Rob works. is too cheap to buy uh, anything new. <laughs> no, no, no. Gold Wave is very, very good. I love it. Yeah, I yeah. love it. You have like the pay version or something? Yeah, I do. Greg doesn't. Yeah. Well, I have your version, <laughs> the which wave. was the pay version. <laughs> uh, All right, let's go. I use Gold Wave. All right. All right. It sounds like a robot name. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com, episode 100. No, wait, sorry. Oh, I messed up. God. I messed up. <laughs>
I forgot. I forgot we're doing it out of order. Okay. This is yeah, the no. Paunch Stevenson show. Paunch Steven. Go go. Right, do over. <laughs> Sorry. I thought this was gonna be like one ninety eight, right? No, no. This is two hundred. No, 200. don't do it. No, I, I was the bicentennial. Just, I, well, what else are no, we gonna do? This 200? is too important. No, to, no, no, no. Come no, on, please. Okay. please. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and there's only four people that could actually care anyway. All right. <laughs> what the three of us? Though? No. All right. They'll make him into a waiter or something like that. What? Yes. <laughs> you, and hold on, hold on. And then Esteban will ask us for a, what drink we want to order. We'll order a drink. He'll come back with the drinks. <laughs> and then give us the wrong drink or something. And we'll get, we'll get really angry and hit the button. No, he'll put the drink down on the button. On both buttons? You only need one. <laughs> I guess so. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Did you remember all this? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter. No, but it just seems like so much work for for such little payoff. <laughs> it's ad lib. It's improv. We are keeping audio improv alive. No, the payoff is as we're trying to do this as I'm trying to do this seriously, Rob will not be able to do it seriously. <laughs> and then we'll have thirty minutes of bloopers. Of him not being able to get through this. No, come on.